Hello everyone, this is Chance Pratt with Living the Guide Life and I have Alex Chosick on today and he's going to talk about chasing waterfowl all the way from Saskatchewan to Texas and what that means to him. He also runs his own outfit in South Dakota for spring snows, so if you're looking to get on a snow goose hunt, let him know. Nothing much, just uh, enjoying this beautiful weather in Minnesota. Yeah, same here in North Dakota. It's, it's been quite the eventful day as far as weather goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were supposed to stay and hunt North Dakota for snows till today, but had to leave early because all the snow didn't want to pull the trailers through that. Right, right. No, it's it's been a grind. I mean, the snow was fun. The economy had a couple of good days. Like, I don't, we didn't hunt today, but like last three days have been pretty good. We've been shooting between. Now we got like an eighty and a forty. I mean, we've had some good some good snow goose hunting. All that. I mean, we're done with customers in South Dakota, so a guy can just go hunt with the boys and yeah. chase them a little chase them a little harder than you normally would with with customers. It seems like just because you can travel a lot farther without having to inconvenience your customers from, you know if they got a hotel you're not going to make them drive an hour and a half in their hotel to hunt so you can just get a broader range but no it's been pretty good i mean it's been cold but yeah yeah i mean once it warms once it warms up it should get better oh yeah now are you chasing them through all the way up through north dakota then you know, it really depends. Like, I work in egg, and so I have to be at work at a certain date, at, like towards the end of April. And so I just chase them till the end of April, wherever they wherever they end up. At the end of April is probably where where I quit hunting. You know, as far as far as fun hunting. I mean, so, like I said, we're done with customers in South Dakota, so if we don't hunt every day, it's not a big deal either. We're just just for fun. You know, we get we hunt hard for three four days and need a day to, to sleep all day, then take yeah. a day to sleep all day. You know, it's not a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I hear you. It's tiring. Like Yeah. No, I hunted uh when I worked down south for my I worked for Migrator Valley outfitters in the spring down in southeast Missouri and northwest Missouri and I hunted I hunted the whole like twenty day stretch in southeast Missouri, hunted every single day for twenty <laughs> days straight, like all day. Uh yeah, that's wild. That's Yeah, I was it's a lot of hunting. I think me and me and the dog were about ready when it was time to leave southeast Missouri, I think me and the dog were ready to go too. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of drinking monster and coffee and all yeah, that. Kind I don't of stuff. even drink I don't even drink energy drinks or coffee, so Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's> just, <laughs> when you love to do something as much as I do, it doesn't really you don't need those. Oh yeah. Those types those types of things. I mean I don't know. I'm always excited to get up in the morning because you never know what's gonna happen. Oh exactly. I couldn't I don't blame I mean, you for that. I mean, the weather can kind of depict how your hunting's going to be for the day. You know, if it's sunny and windy, you're probably going to have a lot better odds to shoot a lot more geese than you are if it's cloudy and no windy, or no, like, cloudy and no wind. Yeah. But still exciting to get up and go every morning. I mean, if it's going and sitting in an office somewhere, or, you know, digging holes somewhere, or <laughs> no driving doubt. a semi somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's definitely, definitely a lot more fun than a normal job, I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. And just chasing chasing your dream. Just got to yeah. keep on having fun with it. Like, yeah. Oh, a lot I of people have it. 
lot of people have their hobbies, and that's hunting's about the only one I got. I guess I fish quite a bit too, but yeah. I mean, I start I start chasing geese August fifteenth in North Dakota is our early season goose opener. Yeah, and I hunt hunt North Dakota for like twelve days, and then the end of August I got to go up to Saskatchewan. I'll hunt there for sixty two days. <laughs> or whatever 63 days running customers every single day for 60 yeah. some days and then i'll come to north dakota and i'll i'll fun hunt for the month of november and then on a normal year this past year i did it but on a normal year i'll head i'll head south to like texas or somewhere and guide guide the winter in texas and then from texas i'll head like i'll get down to texas like the end of january and then from there i'll head to southeast missouri because they i think they open up like february 8th or something for spring snow east and then i'll hunt spring snow east all the way until you know end of april yeah yeah that's a, that's a lot of hunting that's that's a lot of hunting yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i carry a north dakota guide license but i don't guide in north dakota anymore okay but when i did when i did guide north dakota i think i think i was hunting like nine months on account like almost nine months out of the calendar year with with customers like i was guiding nine months Jeez. out of the year traveling i mean it's been it's been like on an average year i used to hunt saskatchewan north dakota south dakota nebraska maybe kansas and that was before i added missouri and then i let go of like nebraska kansas in the spring and i started going to to missouri instead okay okay yeah for uh north dakota isn't it pretty hard to get your guide license over there yeah, it's, you gotta find like you gotta find a, like a licensed outfitter that wants to hire you. Okay. First of all, so you gotta you gotta look for one that's looking for help or one that's willing to help you out get your guide's license. And then you gotta go to the state capitol and take your there's an exam. They do an exam like twice twice a year. I think it's like in August and then in like May. And okay. You gotta you gotta pass the written exam, and then along with that written 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 exam, you gotta pass background tests. You gotta have updated CPR, first aid, and you gotta pay whatever the guide's license fee is to to actually obtain your license. Like even if you pass the test and your background check goes bad, or you know you or if you don't if you don't have your first aid and CPR, you can't get it until you update your first aid and CPR. Like, okay. Okay. And you got to mail all that into the state, and then they'll send you your. If everything checks out, they'll send you a guide's license. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, what's it? What's it like hunting up in uh, Saskatchewan for sixty-two days? Oh man, <laughs> that's a that's a lot of uh, birds. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of birds, and they're not they're not real educated yet. I don't know. I'd have to say if. If I had to choose a place that was like heaven on earth, I think Saskatchewan would be pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like I mean, <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot of days where things go bad up there. I can tell you. I can tell you that. I mean, when I, I work at Bay Prairie Outfitters in Eastern Saskatchewan, there, and it, I mean, the last three years we've had like 90% customer retention. Oh wow. I mean, it's it's been it's been good. I mean, we get a we don't get the snow geese as much over there, but we get a lot of ducks, Canada geese, and sandhill cranes. Yeah. Which, I mean, the Sandhill Cranes are kind of a trade-off because the western part of Saskatchewan, they get more snow geese, but they don't get any cranes. So, I mean, it's whatever. Okay. Yeah. But, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's unreal. I mean, you can run A-frames in the middle of the field, and we have videos of birds almost running into them half the time. <laughs> just, I mean, they, they just don't know any better. Yeah. No, they just... <laughs> Oh, there's, there, you know, they, you know, we run like probably ten to fifteen dozen full body honkers on a honker hunt. I mean, you can kill about every every goose that flies over that. It's, yeah. As long as you're where they, as long as you're where they want to be, it's not really an issue killing them. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. 
what's like the biggest day that you've got up in Saskatchewan? Like, what's the most um, birds? I actually still, I was like, well, I'm like one of the youngest ones that works at Bay Ferry, or was. Now we got some a new crew younger guys in. But I showed up my first year there, and there were some older guys that were going to that. They always brag about the Bay Prairie record, how many, you know, the most birds killed in one day. Well, when I first showed up there, like, the majority of the older guys were basically scouters, and I was I was guiding two hunts a day. Like, me and my dog were guiding two hunts a day. Yeah. And I remember one morning we went out, I had, I had eight shooters in the blind. I had seven seven shooters in the blind, so we could shoot. We could shoot 56 ducks and 56 honkers. One of the scouts found this field like right before dark. There was a ton of birds flying out of it. It was a pea field, I remember. And he's like, "Well, I just saw it right at dark. You got permission? I don't know how it's gonna be." And I was like, "Oh, well, whatever." I mean, if there's a bunch of honkers getting out of there, you know, as long as you know the vicinity they were sitting in, we should be we should be okay. You know, because you got I mean, you gotta trust your scouts. Like I can't go find every field that I hunt. Like I gotta rely on other people. You know, to find to find fields for me to hunt sometimes, or or, or, vice, or vice versa, I find fields for them to hunt. But anyway, so I went out there in the morning, and ducks always seem to fly first. Those geese sleep in a little bit, especially those big honkers. And so, like, I don't know, I was sitting out there, and we were shooting ducks pretty soon before I knew it. Like, you know, 45 minutes, whatever. We had our 56 ducks, and then geese started rolling. And before I knew it, it was probably 9:30. We had 112 birds, 56 and 56. You know, double limit. Double double limit on both and then it was kind of early in the year and so we didn't i mean we do get snow geese but they're not there right away in september you gotta wait you know it's it's gotta be you know a little bit like late september ish maybe yeah. third week in september you'll see them start coming down out of the over the tree line out of the nesting grounds to where we are anyway and uh one of my i, I like texted my one of my scouts he's from alberta and i was like yeah we're gonna need some snow geese for tonight otherwise, otherwise these aren't these guys aren't gonna be able to hunt and uh we really like like on a three-day hunt they, they get they get five hunts like they get a morning evening a morning evening and then on their on their third day it's just a morning because most times they got to go somewhere to catch a plane or you know they only they only want to hunt a half day that's just what our package includes it's five hunts in three days and so anyway i was like well these guys aren't going to get their five hunts if somebody doesn't find me some snow geese and so dave's like well i got like 1500 over here we could try them he's like they look like mostly rossies it might be good and i'm like all right so we go over there go over there in the evening we set up and by the time the sun set i think we killed 107 of them so we killed like 219 <laughs> birds in a day Jeez. yeah it was it was pretty it was unreal like I've, i mean we've had a lot of days over 100 like that too where you know ducks in canada's combined you can, you can hit 100 sometimes or sometimes i mean the snow geese up there are pretty uneducated sometimes you can get them oh, you can get them coming into a honker spread and shoot them that way so i mean you can always pick up your bonus birds yeah seems, seems like you know i mean when you go on a honker hunt chances are you're going to come back with a couple handfuls of ducks and maybe a couple snow geese on top of your your canada's you know you, you always try to kill your target species but it seems like there's a lot of times where you're, you got you got oddball yeah. bonus birds that want to come into your honker or even sometimes like a sandhill crane like they'll 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 feed with canada sometimes you get a couple bonus sandhill cranes over your honker spread it's just one of those things that just happens oh absolutely do you guys but, get but, a decent but, amount of specs up there uh, we're we're really far east okay Seems like every year every year we kill more but like i mean we probably only kill like a handful a year up there like we're, we're i'm like really really close to like the manitoba border like oh wow okay yeah, okay. way east over there. So like it's, it's not like the western part of the of the province or even like Alberta. Like Alberta, they get you know thousands and thousands of speckled belly. You know, like yeah. But the one thing that really surprised us is the amount of wood ducks we've been 
we've been killing in Canada. It never used to be a thing, and I think this last year we killed like almost 20 wood ducks up there, like on dry field hunts, which like you never used to see wood ducks up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's, pretty crazy to think they go that far north. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, cause yeah, I mean, over in Minnesota, we kill tons of wood ducks. Like, right, right. Yeah, you guys are kind of like you guys in Wisconsin. I mean, we get them here in North Dakota too, but not like you guys do. Yeah. yeah it's kind of, it's kind of odd. They would go, I mean, granted it is East, but it's weird that they'd go that far North. You know? Yeah. But they do. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they really need to fly that North. Once they hit like the woods of Minnesota, I feel like that'd be the stopper. But exactly. And then you got all those creeks that run through woods in Wisconsin too, and it's like yeah. they don't need to go any farther north. Even around here, I mean, there's some there's some holes that have some, some trees and some water. And, yeah. I mean, you know, you can you get them a lot in like silage fields and stuff around here early before they migrate out. You, I mean, I've killed a, a lot of wood ducks over here. Oh yeah. But, yeah. But for them to go for them to go that far north is kind of mind boggling, especially as small of a bird as they are. But. Yeah, that's a distance. Like, you're covering a lot of ground. Yeah. But. For sure, a lot of miles on those little guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then, when you, so you go from Saskatchewan to Fun Hunter, North Dakota, then you right. go down to Texas. Yeah, I used to. I like I said, I did this year, but I used to work at uh, at Tejas. I'm still really good friends with the owner. The same guy that owns that co-owns Tejas in Northwest Texas owns Migrator Valley. Okay. So like, I work for the owner of Tejas in the spring, but I don't travel south to Texas anymore like I used to, okay. just because of the fact that I really like ice fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so like when he and like when he bought it, like the co-owner owns uh, Northern Skies Outfitters. Okay. So it's like the owners of two different other operations came together and bought one. And so they each kind of get to pick their crew. And so it's kind of a mixed crew down there. It's like Northern Skies. And then like uh, Shane Erdman is his name. He also owns Swift River Outfitters in Saskatchewan. And uh, so he gets to bring, you know, whatever crew he wants from either North or from either Migrator Valley or Swift River in Canada mm. to work in Texas. And then same with the guy that owns Northern Skies, that Matt Shower. He gets to bring guys from his Northern Skies crew because then after they're done there, they'll go to actually Arkansas and hunt snogies. And the Migrator Valley guys will go to Southeast Missouri and hunt snogies after Texas. So we kind of split and go our separate ways, but it's yeah. kind of a, a mixing pot of two crews from two different outfitters. But that's probably why they, they do so well. They kind of they kind of they kind of pick their elite. Yeah. You know, from each from each side to go down there and work. And I don't know, works out. They do they do really well there. Yeah. Pretty well booked. Pretty well booked full every season, two groups a day. It seems like. I mean, they probably have some of the highest success rates on Santo Cranes in, in Northwest Texas. I mean, I used to love hunting Santo Cranes down there. Of course, you got your lesser your your lesser Canada geese, but I but like I know Tejas is going the direction more towards like the Santo Cranes. I mean, sometimes the geese don't make it down all the way to, you know, Lubbock, Texas. They'll stay up and around, like, Amarillo or Panhandle, yeah. like, up north up north of there. But it seems like the Sandhill Cranes always make it down. So, I mean, they do, they do a lot more crane hunting than goose hunting. When I first worked, when I first showed up there, we did a lot, a lot, a lot of goose hunting. But it was a good year. Like, the geese made it down that far, and there was a, a good hatch on the lesser okay. Canada geese. And so it was, it was really easy to kill them. Like, we had really good success on goose hunts but as it's gone on it seems like i mean that's like with any waterfowl it seems like the winters are getting milder in the midwest no matter where you are mm -hmm. and it seems like those geese if they don't have to go south 
Gonna, like if you got mild weather, you know, and even in like Kansas, Oklahoma, like they'll winter a lot of birds now too. Yeah. When, you know, Kansas and Oklahoma aren't getting as cold as they used to be, and so the, you know the geese, not as many geese go south. But it seems like those sandhill cranes are kind of calendar birds, and by around you know Thanksgiving time or whatever, they'll be they'll be in Northwest Texas. It's for them, it's almost not really weather dependent. It's kind of just you know their ancestry and their. It's just what they've always done, you know. The, since Sandhill Cranes started migrating down there, it's just it's just where they go. It doesn't have to get cold or snowy to push them south like it does the geese. They're just it's just ancestral for them to go down to the Panhandle on a certain day. They're pretty much calendar birds, you could say. Yeah. You know, like they're gonna be here on this day no matter what the weather is, because that's just where they think they're supposed to go. Oh yeah. Whereas like a duck or a goose, if they if they sit down in Oklahoma and the weather's nice and there's open water and food available, they're not going to be like, oh, we need to get to Northwest Texas because this is where we go. No, mm-hmm. they're going to stay in Oklahoma because they can exist and live there. You know what I mean? They're only going to go as far as they have to. Where the Sand Hills, they just they just go to where they think they should be. Just you know, yeah. through ants, and just the way they are. It's ancestral migration, as I I call it. Like. Same with, like, the snow geese. Like, well, most of the snow geese end up in Arkansas, maybe northern Louisiana. But they could, you know, they could stay in Oklahoma all winter long if they wanted to. But it's just so ancestral. That's where they've always gone to winter, and that's where they're going to go. Yeah. You know? That, yeah. That's just, that's just just how it is. I don't know. I don't know why they do it. I mean, especially with the hunting pressure in the spring down in Arkansas. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why they still go down there and choose to get shot up. But yeah. in their mind, that's the only, in their mind, that's the only place they can go to winter, and that's what they do. I mean, the weather in the weather in the Dakotas and in Nebraska will definitely depict on when they get to Arkansas. But they, the majority of them, will end up in Arkansas. Oh yeah. You know that's that because that's where they think they need to go. You know, just like. You know, our, our Canada geese and our ducks, can they can nest anywhere from Kansas all the way up through Saskatchewan. And a snow goose could easily do the same thing around here. You know, we have, I mean, especially like northern North Dakota or even like southern North Dakota where I'm at, we have tons of small grains just like they do in, they do in you know, Saskatchewan. And I guess we're not quite the same climate and the same setting as, you know, the breeding grounds up in the tundra for the snow geese. But we could easily nest snow geese here, but they won't. They just, yeah. they think there's only one place to go winter and one place to go nest for the most part that's just how they are you know i don't i mean if i was a snow goose and i had a mind of my own i would just i wouldn't even go all the way up to the top <laughs> of the find a nice little pot nice little pothole here in north dakota eat eat corn that was left over from the fall until the soybeans got planted then i would do what the canada geese do and walk out and eat soybeans all summer and i would never even go all the way up to saskatchewan or alberta to the breeding grounds you know oh, yeah I, but they do it. I don't know why. It's just how they are. Yeah. I found that even some divers are pretty calendar around Minnesota, like ringnecks and like whenever we go hunt our pond up north over like, cause there's a two week, there's a two week break of where you can't hunt ducks or geese and like in the Southern and central zone of Minnesota, but you can hunt them in the North. And so we'll go up North and they're, they're always there when we go hunt that pond and when we hunt the river. I mean, sometimes the mallards won't be there and, like, the wood ducks will be gone. But for the most part, like, the ringnecks will always always mm-hmm. kind of be around. So, yep. I don't know. That's what I've noticed. 
yeah, that's just how. Just once again, that's just how they are. You know, they all they all have their own little quirks and their own little ticks and their own little little mindset of where they need to be and what time they need to be there. And sometimes it's weather dependent. And sometimes it's not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hear you. So, what's it like hunting down in Texas for cranes and geese down there? Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, really competitive. There's a lot of outfitters in that uh, in that Lubbock up to like Amarillo area. A lot of outfitters. I mean, when I was down there, I can I think I could think of five offhand that were down there, and they you know they all got scouts running around trying to get on the best feeds. Yeah. Just like just like we are or we were, whatever you want to say. Like I said, I didn't go down there this past year, but it's just it's really competitive. That's like and actually like if the hunting is really good. Like if you came as a customer, the hunting is awesome. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Tejas is probably one of the most premier outfitters in the state of Texas as far as waterfowl. Like, no, it's it's incredible. Like, it's it's fun to work there. It's super competitive. But, like, as a guide, it was probably one of the least favorite places that I worked just because it was so competitive. Okay. You know, and I mean, you're racing, not like you're not racing people to fields in the morning to home, but you're racing people to fields when you're scouting, you know, trying to get there first and find that farmer and get permission first before somebody else does. And it, it's, it's to be stressful. You know, it's not like yeah. Canada, it's such a widespread area and there's so many birds that, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to go scout and not see anybody. You know, you can, you can get permission on, on a good scout, you know, maybe two to four fields, you know, if you're working real hard, talking to a lot of farmers and, you know, nobody else will have permission for them for fields, but you go to Texas and call a farmer up and it, you know, there's two guys, two different outfitters in front of you already that are going to hunt that field before you even get a chance, you know? Yeah. Oh, I hear you. So yeah, it's, it was, Texas was a lot of fun, but it was probably, it's probably my least favorite place to work, you know? And then like in the, it, like in the spring in Missouri, we're not, we're not really chasing feeds in Southeast Missouri just because we got, we got pits in Southeast Missouri. We're just hunting migration, okay. you know, trying to, trying to break down migrators and shoot them that way. And we've had some, some good success. It seems like the last couple of years that the migration has been shifting a little farther West. So I think we're going to try more, more like central Missouri versus Southeastern Missouri, but no, we've done okay there. You know, this spring was way better than last spring. So I can't really complain too much. It was better for everybody though. I think just cause last year the hatch was so bad. I mean, you were trying to hunt straight adult geese that are you know, 10 to, 10 to 25 years old versus birds that are born in July. Yeah. And not, not terribly smart, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, when we hunted North Dakota in the fall for snows, I mean, probably 85% of our snow geese were juvies. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad this fall. I know it hasn't been bad this spring. I know, like, last spring we got lucky. Like, when we ran customers in South Dakota, our first our first three groups were on three-day hunts. And out of those three-day hunts, we had extreme, extremely dense fog. Oh, wow. And so out of those three day groups, each group got to, got to have a day that we shot over a hundred, but it was because the geese couldn't see, Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but some, I mean, with snow geese, any advantage you can get is, is good because they're, they're way smart. You know, I mean, we at like, when I run like the outfitter that I run in Northern South Dakota, getgeese.com, we're running a migration spread of at least, you know, a couple thousand full bodies, if not more, you know, Jeez. we might mix in some, might mix in a few wind socks here and there for, for motion, just on those lighter wind days. And yeah. gosh, it, you know, even with, you know, 2000 to 2500 decoys and rotary <laughs> machines and, and, clo- and clones and all the gadgets you can throw at them, you know, four, yeah. four different e-callers playing four different sounds or whatever. And all that stuff. It just seems like some days you just still can't kill them. It's, it's not, 
and the funny thing that I've noticed with the snow geese actually is like when it's foggy, you can kill adult snow geese. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know if you ever hunted them in the fog, but they can't see. They'll come right to you, and you can shoot them. You know, pretty close, pretty. You know, it's it's good it's good hunting when it's foggy yeah. or, or blowing snow like in a snowstorm. But the minute it's clear out, those adult snow geese will not decoy. But what does that tell you? Well, they can tell what decoys are. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. You get those adults, yeah. those lead push birds. Those lead push birds will give you huge tornadic spins, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then they'll kind of start petering out at about 80 yards. Well. <laughs> No matter what kind of decoys you run, they know their decoys. It's not like everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I must have had the wrong sound on. Because in, in the spring, you can use electric calls, obviously. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I must have had the wrong, the wrong sound on. Like, they got close enough to where they could hear the e-caller and they left. No. <laughs> they got close enough to realize that they're decoys. Like, these, those yeah. adult snow geese are literally almost unkillable in mass numbers. I mean, if you hunt them all day, you know, you can normally scratch out between 10 and 20 of them yeah. if you hunt all day. But I'm just saying it's not, you're going to have to see for every 100,000 adults you see, you might kill 10 to 20 on a migration day. You know, yeah. like, they're, they're smart. And it's probably going to be all singles and pairs. You're not going to get any big bunches of adults to do it. They just, they all know what to look for. And they're just, so they're many smart. Eyes. And that's like, and I had that too, and that's why 2019 was so hard. You had big, big, big groups of adult snow geese. Like, what, I mean, what do you do with them? Yeah. You know, unless you get a fog <laughs> or a snowstorm, you just—it's tough. It's tough with those older birds. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, when you're running down in southeast Missouri, would you say it's easier than South Dakota, or just because it's uh, lower on like they've been less shot at? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. The thing is with southeast Missouri, like everybody knows your your prime snow goose hunting weather. You're going to want it sunny, somewhat warm, and you're going to want a decent wind. The problem with southeast Missouri is it seems like the last two years it rains about every three days. And then, you know, when you get a, when you get a sunny day, you wake up and it's 22 degrees and you're flooded rice field or whatever, you know, because most of our rice fields have some water. And most, I mean, you can't drain them totally dry, it seems like. Yeah. And so then your your water's froze. So then your hunting isn't really good till about noon when it warms up. And I don't know. I run into a lot of days where if it was sunny, we didn't have any wind. If it was cloudy, we had wind. Otherwise, it rained every three days. But I mean, like on the nicer days, yeah, it was it was pretty good hunting as far as snow goose hunting goes. I mean, but it's it's a lot of it's weather too, which is why like when people book a snow goose hunt, like if anybody out there is looking to book a snow goose hunt, like book a three day hunt because generally in, in that in those three days, unless you have a black cat in your pocket. You're probably gonna have one nice weather day where you're gonna get into them fairly well. Yeah. You know. And oh. so that, I mean that that's what I always advise people. Like guys want to come out for one day. You know, some people that live close or whatever want to book a one day hunt and drive out for the day. Like that's great, but you're really, really uh, basically buying a lottery ticket at that point. That the weather is gonna be right to do it that day. You know. And the thing is with like South Dakota, it seems like in the spring like the month of March and April, we don't get a ton of rain. Your, your biggest risk is a snowstorm. I mean, the weather, the weather is always more favorable in the Dakotas. And I think that's another reason why we kill more geese up here. Okay. It's just because it's, I mean, we had a lot of sunny, windy days up here. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's just the way the weather is. We don't get all that nasty rain and flood warnings and all kinds of junk like they do in Southeast. But I mean, when the weather lines up in Southeast Missouri, yeah, it can be really good, but I would, I would almost much rather hunt South Dakota just for the, the weather aspect. But I do like hitting Southeast Missouri too. You know, you're out of the wind, you're down below the ground. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a cool experience, but yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. What would, uh, what would be your favorite waterfowl to hunt? Um, I 
know. I used to I used to be a big big honker guy growing up. Like I used to shoot a lot of Canada geese. And uh, I don't know. I kind of got over that. I don't know. I would say probably. I don't know. I really I really like chasing snow geese, whether it's spring or fall. Mm-hmm. Just because not just because there's so many of them, but it's just it, it's the hardest species to hunt. You know. Yeah. I mean, there's there, there's more of them than probably most waterfowl or they travel in bigger bunches and i know it's fun it's fun when you get them you know a lot of a lot of days you don't get them Mm -hmm. versus like i mean if you're hunting hawkers or mallards they're a way more consistent bird and they're easier to decoy it seems like so but for me the days that i fool those snow geese and kill you know 70 to 200 or whatever like those are the those are the days that a guy lives for you know especially because they're getting they're, they're so incredibly smart yeah that i'd rather it's more of a challenge like a personal challenge to me i i guess than the hunting you know honkers and mallards yeah i hear you yeah I'd, so that's I'd, I'd probably say the same thing i like hunting snows more than i do honkers and mallards right. maybe right. because of like I can shoot honkers and mallards all year round in Minnesota. Right. I can't do that. Can't shoot snows like that here. But right. I don't know. I really enjoy shooting snows. Right, and that's kind of how I am too. Like being in Eastern Saskatchewan, we probably get a good a good week normally of snow goose hunting. Like we have snow geese for about a week, and then they're gone. So by the time I leave Canada, I'm kind of just. I'm kind of just over the honkers and the mallards for a little yeah. bit. <laughs> you know, I mean, shooting a bunch of big honkers every day and then going out in the evening and killing your ducks when you don't have snow geese. That's what we do like 90% of our season. You do that or, you know, your morning, your your evening hunt's always going to be ducks or, or snow geese. And your morning hunt's always going to be honkers or sandhill cranes. So regardless, you're hunting honkers every single day unless you're hunting cranes. And it, I don't know, I just kind of, just kind of get over it, <laughs> you know, especially because <laughs> yeah. I'll chase honkers here in August and then I'll go to Canada and chase them for 60 days and then if i come back north dakota and there's not you know a bunch of snow geese around then i'll probably hunt hawkers and mallards in november in north dakota too with my buddies and it's like yeah yeah, i'm just ready to chase something different yeah oh i hear you yeah i don't know i just love shooting those little roskies how they flip Uh and it's just Uh so fun yeah no it's definitely a definitely those snow geese you get in the right geese and they can definitely put on a show for you yeah oh big time they're fun to watch yeah so what frustrating frustrating sometimes but fun oh yeah yeah no doubt so do you have to um with like your guides do they supply all the decoys when you're up in saskatchewan and stuff or do you have to bring no, your like, own like every outfitter that i work for has their own stuff like when i cross the border to go to canada to work obviously i have a i have a piece of paperwork called an lmia and i have to turn that over to the border crossing people and they actually have to issue me a government issued work permit to go up there and work like i can't like if you want to go up there and guide and an outfitter hires you and you go to the border and you just tell you're going hunting and you go up there and guide and you get caught without a work permit you're in a lot of trouble like you're 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 not going to be allowed in the country for at least a year and your outfitter is going to get in trouble you know you got to you got to do everything by the book so like guiding in canada is actually fairly exclusive like you have to really know what you're doing and how to do like a proper job interview and have a resume because there's only so many outfitters in canada do waterfall and then on top of that your outfitter is going to pay Gosh, I want to say, you know, it's fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars per work permit. So they're gonna pay, you know, they're they're down a whole bunch of money before you get there and even get to work. Yeah. 
you know, and so you really got to be on top of your game and, and be somebody that they want to hire because it's, it's tough going as far as jobs up there. Yeah. You know, and there there is outfitters that don't, that don't do it right and don't get you your proper paperwork. And those are the guys that get in trouble, you know? So if anybody out there is going to look, you know, looking into working in Canada, you know, before they hire you, ask them, you know, are you going to get me a work permit? You know, and I mean, some, and some outfitters will make you pay for the work permit. I've heard that happen a few times too. I mean, which is whatever. I mean, as long as you're going to make more money while you're up than what your work permit costs, but you gotta, you gotta really be careful about that. Cause you know, like just like any business guys are going to try to operate as cheap as possible. And sometimes there's outfitters up there that, that break the law to operate cheap as possible. So you got to really be careful on who you're going to work for and, and make sure you're all legit. Yeah. You know, Oh, I hear before you. you. Before you go up there, you know, I, I, I started out guiding in 2000. Gosh, I want to say it was like 14 or something like that. And, I had to go see, go through a couple of really scrub outfitters before I found <laughs> places that I actually wanted to stay long term and make a career with. You know, like yeah. you got you know, you get your entry level outfitters, and you're kind of like, okay, you work there for a little, like a year, or whatever. You know, there's just you can just get a feel for for operations. You know whether they're going to be good or not your first year there, and if they're not, then you take that year of experience and add it to your resume, and then you, you know, keep updating your resume. You know, you you might have to work for scrub outfitters for maybe not not the most amount of money in the guiding industry, but you got to build a resume somehow, and so you got to, you know, I mean, you got to take jobs where you can get them when you first start out, and then you find out that that place isn't any good to work, and like I said, you just build your resume up and apply for more reputable ones and more reputable ones and pretty soon you're you're gonna be somewhere close to the top with good reputable outfitters that have been around for a long time that follow the laws that get you all your proper paperwork whether you're in canada or the united states and then you kind of just go hunt for for a living i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh i hear you so how long have you been guiding for uh i think six years six years now or something like that oh, I went to college for two years and then I started guiding out of college so yeah where did you go yeah, to North, college in North Dakota uh South Dakota South I went Dakota to Northern State in Aberdeen South Dakota okay how'd you like that uh it was good I went I went for marketing I actually I actually was a really really uh, a good student I just I really got uh, just got bored of it, you know. I was on a four-year marketing degree, and I was I was dean's list all of my semesters there and everything. And I just kind of got I don't know. I was always stir crazy though. I think being born in June was my curse because I always liked to be outside. Like I've never had a job where I haven't been outside. Yeah. You know, and I just classroom thing just wasn't for me. And then I was going to do my classes online, and then I just got into the whole guiding thing and kind of just started doing that. And now I normally guide in like five states and two different countries and i own i co-own a, my own operation now and it's, it's getting bigger it takes a long time to progress though from a guide to owning your own your own business if, you, if you're doing it you know if you're a if you're a self-made business per se you know it takes a long time to work for other outfitters and save up all that money to, to start doing your doing your own thing and luckily i i got a really good partner up here with uh with getgeese.com okay. me and my buddy me and my buddy riley ham like he runs show me your snows in yeah. illinois and uh i mean they got i think they're gonna have seven seven 12 man pits in the ground come next spring and they run you know they run big spreads between seven and twelve thousand decoys per pit <laughs> yeah 
they're hunting all they're hunting all migrators and I know I met him back in like two thousand that was supposed to be like thirteen or something. He had like a Facebook post up. He was looking for, you know, pockets of snow geese in North Dakota. I yeah. called him and I was like, Hey, I got some over here and he brought his trailer over we hunted a couple days and in two days I think we killed like we killed like a one ten the first day with five guns and then the second day we killed like a like a two ninety or something. We killed like one eighty in the morning. we killed like one eighty in the morning and then they quit flying and we left our decoys out, went back in the evening and killed like another ninety. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, I was like, Okay, this this guy's got it going on, so we got to talk it and I think I think it was like three years ago we formed yeah, geese.com and it's kind of a it's a really cool uh cool partnership just for the aspect that as you can imagine he's got about more decoys than a guy could ever need yeah <laughs> and i've got and i've got um just from being local you know i know a lot of people so i can get us on a lot of property and it's, it's a kind of a good trade-off he supplies most of the equipment i my my buddy's parents own, own a lodge in south dakota so we, we lease the lodge and put our customers in there so i kind of provide the lodging and, and the land oh, nice. and he provides you know you know he haul he hauls you know a little over two thousand full body decoys up to south dakota and all of his equipment so we kind of just use his equipment and uh, i got the land and the lodging and yeah it works out it works out good yeah oh yeah you know? i mean I think that's like the biggest crutch to starting an outfitter is buying a buying a decoy spread. You know, I mean, good snow goose spread can cost you ten, twenty thousand dollars by the time you're all said and done, if not more. And to find a guy that that had it all already, you know, I mean, and his dad Rick Ham, I mean, he's been hunting snow geese since probably before me and you were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes. So. <laughs> Yeah. Riley's learned from one. Of, Riley's learned from one of the one of the OGs of snow goose hunting. I would say, and his dad's all about it too. His dad, you know, like when we first started getgeese.com, we didn't even have a, a whole lot of money to put into it. So his dad, like, we wanted, like, we were, we're like, well, we'll just we'll run customers and we'll sell these hoodies and whatever. And his dad actually helped us pay for all of our hoodies because I don't even know on guides' wages. I don't know if we could even afford to pay the whole. Uh, <laughs> The whole bill for our hoodies and stuff so no, his awesome. dad's all about it his dad's all behind us and his dad helps us out a lot that's great not like yeah not so much money wise but just like he's always got good ideas yeah you know, he's, he's been focused on long enough that he he's, he's got some tricks that just not a lot of people know and, Oh yeah. He's always, he's always got some so he's always got some sort of pro tip you could say on helping us be better and do better. Yeah. He's, he's a good guy. Oh, I hear it. Now, when you guys set up in pits, how do you like if the wind changes? Like, what do you do? Because I know you always want to be at the top of the spread, but like, if right. you're running so many decoys, like, what yeah. do you? Yeah. Well, the thing is, like. Well, in South Dakota, we don't run pits. We we just lay in whites on backboards. We're yeah. We're we're in the process of of making some some big moves for next year. That I mean, they're not set in stone, so I'm not going to get too detailed about them. Yeah. But I, I would imagine we're hoping by next spring we're not going to be laying on our backs. But <laughs> anyway, like when you set up in pits, I mean, the thing is with snow geese, the reason they come to the head of your spread is because probably you got the wind at your back, and they like to work over a lot of decoys for the most time. Unless it's super windy, then you probably want to sit at the bottom your spread because they they seem to uh really not like to fight the wind all the way to the top of your spread. the thing with snow geese is they like to come into the sound and so what yeah what you have to do is like when you're in a pit in the winter i mean most of your pits are set up for either, either a north or south wind because in the spring you have very few east winds and yep. if you have a west wind if you have a west wind it's generally a variation of like a northwest or a southwest you know you don't get a lot of straight west winds. i mean you yeah. do but so like in south dakota we can move our backboards and we can move the decoys around 
you know, for, for the wind. But, you know, in, in Illinois, when he runs his pits, he's just got to you know, make it work, I guess, you know, if you got a west wind blowing straight across your pit, they're still going to come to the sound, but you're going to have to wait until they're straight over top of the pit to shoot up, you know, I mean, it's not, they're not going to be finishing in your face, you know, they're going to try to finish on one end of the pit, so you're going to have to shoot them at 30 yards, hanging over your pit, you know, I mean, and that's like another thing with like Riley, he's probably one of the best shot callers there is I would say just because he's got so many awkward shot calls out of a pit versus guys that just get to call shots with birds you know working right into their face because they can move every day for the yeah. wind you know and so I mean now we make it it makes it work I don't know I, I hunted there I was there for a full month last spring because we uh with the weather and the way the hatch was last year we just like my greater valley just we just carried all, all of our customers over from like Northwest Missouri. We just pushed them all back to like carried them over to the next year, essentially. Cause the hunting was just not ideal yeah. at all. You know, and we, I mean, as an outfitter, you, you like to make money, but you feel bad taking people's money when the situation isn't ideal for people have to have a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there, there was days where I'd sit in Southeast Missouri and it, the other thing was, is like last year they had a lot of flooding. Like it rained, like, over 10 inches in a week like we had a we had a day down there at one point where it rained like five inches in a day <laughs> and and it just it just wasn't ideal so we ever southeast missouri we carried the rest of the guys over till next year you know called them and told them we were, we were sorry or whatever i did yeah. that was all on the, that was all on the owner of migrated valley but he does a good job you know nobody was nobody was upset and uh, so we got him carried over well so here i am with like a month before the snow geese get to south dakota and me and riley got to go do our geese.com thing and i was like well i'll just come up there you know and i showed up there and his dad had a hotel room for me to stay in and he's like yeah stay as long as you want you know no big deal you can hunt hunt every day so i actually did spend a whole whole month down there and you know unfortunately the hatch was bad so that there were still adult snow geese but i mean we did kill we never had a zero day so i mean we killed geese but it wasn't it wasn't like a guy would dream of but i got to kind of see how the whole the whole pit situation worked that was kind of cool yeah oh no doubt yeah what's it like um hunting snows over there is it any different than like the midwest Uh, i would say that hunting snow geese where riley does you know havana illinois i would say hunting snow geese over there is probably some of the toughest snow geese to kill just because like you know rick and riley ham kind of blew that blew that area up you know and there's a bunch of guys out there that put pits in i mean almost you know there's a lot of farmers that got pits in their field and they just lease them out to, to anybody and i mean those those geese fly over a lot of decoy spreads along that illinois river before they get to those guys and so they got to really try to figure out a way to kill these geese that you know they i mean there's a spread probably every two three miles in some parts of the in parts of the river you know and they're all big full body spread basically like rick and riley were like the ogs well rick was the ogs of like pit hunting in, in big spreads in, in illinois along the illinois river there in havana and then people started picking up on it well this guy's killing a bunch of geese you know we need we need to do what he does so pretty soon he got oh this guy's got a pit with seven thousand full bodies and then oh this guy's got a pit with eight thousand full bodies you know pretty soon rick ham's running 15,000 full bodies and it's like it's a it's basically a race for the biggest decoy spread and who can get the farthest south pit of everybody else before you know if you can get way south everybody and cut everybody off then your hunting's gonna be better and i mean I don't know it's it's kind of it's a lot different. There's a, there's a lot of decoy spreads around there, and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of hunters. So I mean, <laughs> I'd say some of those are some of the toughest snow geese to hunt. 
Yeah. Just for the just for the fact that there's so much pressure in one area, but yeah, they make it, they make it work. They run a good operation in Illinois. They they run a lot of a lot of there i mean even even last year with those adults there were some pits some pits on a few occasions that that would kill you know 70 plus birds you know they, they had some good for what the hatch was they had a pretty good year yeah oh i hear you so they must be do, they must be doing something right i guess yeah <laughs> no kidding so when they what's kind of their flight pattern when they go over to illinois like um, are they just taking it up yeah, they like to follow. They like to follow that Illinois River a lot. Yeah. Like that's kind of their, that's kind of their their deal. But they they all migrate. Like all the snow geese pretty much migrate like north northwest. The ones that come out of like Arkansas and Missouri. Okay. You know, because like whenever you sit in a pit with Riley, he'll talk about east east geese. Well, that's because all of his geese are coming from the southeast, migrating from northwest. A lot of them don't come from the straight south. So like when they say when they see geese coming out of the southeast sky high, they know they're probably fresh ones out of you know northwest Missouri or southeast Missouri or wherever you know wherever they're coming from from the south, they all migrate you know northwest, which is why the Dakotas are is such a prime snow goose hunting destination because all these when you're when you're down in southeast Missouri, their migration path is 800 miles wide from southeast Missouri all the way through western Nebraska, you know, and even into Colorado. There's snow geese that go through Colorado as well. And so you got to think when they, but they all migrate northwest. So, you know, and I guess the ones that are in southern, you know, the southern Nebraska, southwestern Nebraska, they'll go maybe a little bit straight, they'll either go straight north or a little bit northeast, you know, but the Dakotas are such a pinch point because everything's migrating towards the Dakotas and they all come, you know, it's, it's a funnel, you know, almost every migrating snow goose that comes down the central fly, flyway comes through north and south Dakota. It's just, it's a big pinch point. And that's why whenever, like, people, you know, when people hunt Arkansas, and there's a lot of, a lot of geese down there, but when you see feeds in the Dakotas of, you know, 50,000, 60,000, you know, it's not abnormal because it's such a pinch point. They all they all funnel up through the Dakotas, and I think that's just because there's just so much food here. You know, I mean, we grow a ton of corn and everything mm-hmm. else. And, and they also, you know, I mean, then they kind of funnel up towards Devil's Lake, and then I think they start to split off to their... Yeah. colonies you know there's there's snow geese that nest over in alaska there's snow geese that nest up by like none of it there's i mean there's snow geese that there's like different colonies of snow geese like they all don't go to the same place yeah you know yeah they're they're scattered throughout the tundra up there in the east west line yeah on their on their nesting grounds up there and so at some point they got to sort they got to sort themselves out and go back with the right group to the right place yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand how they do that when the colonies all get intermingled at Devil's Lake or you know, <laughs> like a big a big meeting point for them. You know, whether it be Yankton or wherever, they all get mixed together, and I, it's mind-boggling to a guy that they can actually sort themselves out and still all make it back to where they started when they get mixed in with so many different keys from so many other colonies. It's crazy to think about. You know, I mean. If somebody if somebody puts you in a subway station in New York with freaking you know five thousand people and you tried to follow the same group of five hundred people <laughs> to a certain destination that you were at a year before, yeah. there's no way you you there's no way you'd end up with all of the same people. No. Yeah. You know, it's just 
it's crazy to think about how they can do that. I don't know if they just are that good at communicating or they just, they don't even communicate. They just know the spot. Maybe they all just go to the spot. I don't know, but it's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, I even had a buddy shoot one up in North Dakota with a band under from Russia. Like, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> we just shot two the other day and they were both from Alaska. Yeah. It's pretty pretty wild to think that think like a, that migration uh, would just be insane yeah i mean all the way you gotta think they probably went if they cut down through the midwest but it's crazy because those alaska geese should have been you know pacific flyway geese should have been went down through you know california or oklahoma or not mm-hmm. oregon or california or something but for some reason they went south and then they cut way east probably through the midwest made it down to arkansas and they're migrating northeast just like they do going through the dakotas probably on the way back to alaska and we shot them it's kind of odd that they would come that way in the fall you know migrate that way in the fall versus just going straight south to like california california gets a lot of snow geese yeah you know on that flyway yeah, I was, I was watching uh, like a couple weeks ago or whatever. Dive bomb was out at like Oregon or something, and they had like a spring speck and snow goose hunt. Yeah, yeah, California has it too. Yep. That's that's crazy to think about having a spring speck hunt. Like, yeah, but I think they put a, they put a limit on them. Yeah. Know? Like. Yeah, but even to but hunt still, like yeah. just specks like in the yeah. spring, it'd just be it's just mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's about the only place you can do it too. I, I mean, there's nothing like that on the on the East Coast. Their their politics over there are kind of are kind of messed up. I mean, on the East Coast in the fall, you can only shoot one Canada goose a day now in Maryland. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is crazy because if you know anything about the Canada goose population in New York, <laughs> you know that Maryland is lo- Maryland is loaded. Yeah. In the in in the fall, and uh, it's all just politics, you know. They, yeah, that'd not be. Not be a deal. I mean, I met I met a couple guys that came from Virginia um, last fall out in North Dakota, and they were talking about. I mean, I think yeah, like one or two Canada geese, but then they can shoot like fifteen for early season or something like that. Yeah, and that's how we are. We're fifteen for early season and eight for eight in fall. Yeah, but to jump from fifteen to one or two is like that's that's a jump. Yeah, for sure. But we, it's just like I don't oh, know. Because we can shoot yeah. five early season and three yeah. regular season in Minnesota, right. but I feel like that's even really low. Like right. the amount of like I'll end a hunt by like thirty minutes hour after sun sunrise, and like I could keep shooting them like no nonstop. <laughs> And so. Right. Yeah, but it's all part of it's all part of con- conservation. Too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, in, ensuring there's going to be numbers of waterfowl for generations to come. But, oh, absolutely. I mean, it also comes to a point where it's a little bit ridiculous because I have like friends that live out in Maryland, and they send me Snapchats of roosts that have thousands of birds. <laughs> for some reason, their government and their DNR thinks it's okay to only go out and shoot one goose. I mean, yeah. from a business standpoint, that's a really poor decision, especially being in the line of work that I am. Yeah. I mean, if you're an out- if you're if you're an outfitter and you got Canada goose hunts, who's going to book a Canada goose hunt to come shoot one goose and go home? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of. I don't know. It's kind of a, it's a different thing. And then you got places like Saskatchewan where you can shoot. You know, I mean, 
obviously that's kind of the, the holy grail of all of it. But you can shoot eight mallards and there's no restrictions on hen or drakes. If you want to come September 1st when all the ducks are brown and shoot eight eight hen mallards <laughs> or eight drakes. I mean, you can't even tell the difference at that point. They're so they're so brown. But you can shoot you can shoot eight ducks. And it doesn't matter. The only restriction is you can shoot four pintails. I don't even know if there's a limit on any of the other ducks. I think you can shoot eight teal if you want. I mean, we teal and mallards, pintails, and some some widgeons because we're always you know hunting dry fields. But yeah, you can come up there and shoot eight hens if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then, then the, there they are over there in Maryland, only shooting one Canada goose, and here we are hurting the future of the duck population by shooting eight <laughs> hens a day per guy. You know, yeah. like. <laughs> Oh, and I mean, I feel like it takes away from the youth, too, because, like, I mean, shooting one Canada goose, like, if you have three guys, you go out to shoot three geese, like, and you set out a big spread, like, I don't know. I feel like, I I mean, I'd still probably do it, but, like, I feel like it definitely takes away from the kids that, like, I don't know. Just my thought. It could, definitely could be hurting the hunting industry in that way. Right. Um, the other thing is too is like people don't people don't realize like the adverse effects like I talk about this with the snow geese all the time because I'm just a snow goose nut and I'll, I'll I mean I always I keep going back to the snow geese but so like everybody knows by now that the younger the snow goose the easier to kill correct yeah but there's there's biological information that shows supposedly that only like one to four, one to five percent of every snow goose hatch is making it back to the breeding grounds because people have caught on to chase these younger groups of birds like i'm not going to tell you how to chase or find these younger groups of birds but <laughs> yeah people have people have found out how to find and hunt these younger groups of birds which is great i mean yeah you can go out and shoot you know one 100 200 300 400 you know even sometimes five six hundred of these juvenile snow geese for you know for the guys that know how to go hunt them and find them yeah but the problem is there's no future backing to this snow goose population okay like there was no hatch last year correct there was yeah. no there was very very few if, if you shot a juvie you should have mounted it because it was a miracle <laughs> okay yeah and so you have no hatch last year this year when there is some some juvenile snow geese you know guys are finding how to find them finding out how to find them and kill them great well if only five percent of the hatch is making it back you know tops five percent yeah it's making it back to the back to the nesting grounds and then a snow goose can't breed until it's you know older than two years the first two years of its life it can't breed yeah so now you've got very few juvenile snow geese making it back to the tundra it's taking them two years to be able to create more snow geese yeah so there's no back there's no backing for the for the the breeding population of snow geese you know, like the snow goose population was at its highest point in like 2011. So no matter how many snow geese people think that there are, there is not as many as there was in 2011. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going, it's either maintaining or going down. Yeah. You know. Oh so people yeah. Keep killing, people keep killing all these you know young dumb snow geese because they're easy pickings. But in the same sense, when this breeding class of geese gets too old to where they can't breed, or they start dying off of old age, you're going to see a drastic drop in the snow goose population just because there was no future generations to of breeders coming up. You know. Oh yeah, I think we'll definitely see yeah. a big drop of snow geese here yeah. in the next I five mean, ten years. Cra- I mean, call me crazy, but. 
that's that's how it's going to end up. You know, it's it's no different that if you have an all-star baseball team and you win a championship, and then you say, oh, you know, you know, we're good. We don't need to bring up any younger players to back these guys when they retire. Yeah. And pretty soon, pretty soon, your A team's forty years old and they're all looking to retire from the MLB, and you got nobody to come back them up. Your team's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. it's the same with the, it's the same with the snow geese. Yeah, their breeding class is good right now, but when this breeding class is gone and there's no there's no new team to come back them up, it's gonna suck. Your snow mm-hmm. goose hatch is gonna be horrible. Yeah. You know. Oh, big time. Yeah, I mean. And especially in the Midwest, because this is where they get hammered on the most. I mean, the the greater snow geese population on the East Coast, I feel like, is some of the least hunted snow geese in the country, probably. Yeah, I there's, no, there's, there's no pressure. There's no pressure over there. California. I mean, they shoot quite a few snow geese, but I don't think there's near the pressure on them that there is in the Midwest. You know, the Central Flyway just gets hammered. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have anything compared to, like, Arkansas. I mean, I wouldn't even consider California, like, even relevant if you, like, talk about Arkansas shooting snows. Right, right. Like, you know, the the best thing that the East Coast has is that greater snow geese population because, number one, everybody, nobody from the West Coast is going to travel through the Midwest to the East Coast to shoot greater snow geese when they can come to the Midwest and there's a bunch of snow geese here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nobody yeah. from the Midwest, nobody from the Midwest is going to go to the East Coast to hunt greater snow geese because we can shoot all the lesser snow geese and Rossies we want here. Yeah. To a, to a point. Yeah. You know? And so that's like, I'd say that's one of the best unpressured waterfall situations there are is probably those Eastern greater snow geese. Yeah. I mean, just not getting hunted as hard as right. the Midwest. Right. Like, right. I mean, I feel like everyone I see on social media and stuff like that, everyone's hunting the Midwest. Like, right. I, you'll rarely see someone come by and say Illinois or California, yeah. but like, I mean, everyone, Arkansas, Missouri, like South Dakota, North Dakota, then they go up to Saskatchewan and then it's like... And the only thing that's going to save our our snow geese a little bit this year, I feel like, is like we've had a lot of unfortunate snowstorms this year. Yeah. And these geese have been these adult geese got pushed back and forth so many times by weather. I think they I think they picked up a lot of their young birds. I I noticed like even hunting this past week, there was a lot of adults with these with these you know juvenile geese that we were trying to target. And uh, and I think that's because the adults got pushed back so much they actually met up with a bunch of their of their young youngsters and they're they're bringing them north with them you know like I don't I don't feel like there's going to be a bunch of juby pockets left back left behind that the adults you know separated from which is good in my opinion I mean yeah. anything to benefit the snow goose and the other thing is is Saskatchewan's got their borders closed because of this COVID nineteen deal yep. and there's not going to be a spring season for anybody in Canada unless you're a local <laughs> unless you're a local Canadian you might be able to get out. Yeah. And, and hunt, but, the, but, you know, there's very few Canadian residents that actually hunt waterfowl, like, hard. You know, they might go, yeah. like, once or twice a year or something, you know, but you very rarely see any locals hunting. Oh, yeah, I feel so that. Like... I mean, that'll save a lot of the adult, the adult snow goose population, because once those adult snow geese cross the border, believe it or not, they get really stupid. <laughs> like, really? like just le- just less pressure. And honestly, like my opinion, which I've talked like with Shane Urban out of Migrator Valley and Swift River Outfitters, he'll he'll back he'll back this statement up for sure, hundred percent. I mean, he knows a lot about the snow geese. You know, he's good friends with Scott Butts, okay. Waterfowl Obsession TV. Yeah. That's where they film a lot of Waterfowl Obsession TV is up at Swift River Outfitters in the spring and the fall. And Scott, I mean Scott, being in the snow goose game. 
way before we were even a thought. He knows so many biologists. Like he has all the inside information on, on these snogies. And but what people what we've kind of not we I guess what Scott and Shane kind of came up with this is more of like a relay of information to me you know I did not come up with this theory but honestly those those snow geese once they cross into Canada I think they just hit that that point where they're they're so ready to breed it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a buck and rut you know when's the best time to kill a deer well when he's when, he, when he's focused on something other than surviving and that's breeding right when, yeah. they're, when they're when they're when they're sidetracked yeah you know well it's the same with the snow geese i mean the sometimes you know later and later in the season in canada you're shooting female snow geese with eggs in them you know <laughs> like their their priority is not avoiding hunters at that point it's it's breeding you know yeah. and those adult snow geese just get really dumb yeah, I feel like I mean, I've definitely I mean, definitely seen that where people just start shooting a pile of them up in Saskatchewan in yep. the spring, like and over small spreads. You know, in in the states, you need at least a few thousand decoys, or you're probably not going to get too many looks from too many geese. And you get up there, two hundred full bodies in an A frame. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, and so I mean that's going to save a lot of adults. So this year, too. So hopefully next year with the youngsters that survived and you know the the lack of adults getting killed in Canada, I, I think hopefully the hatch should be good as long as we don't get a freak ice storm or something up in the tundra that, that wipes the hatch out. I think that's that's what happened in 2019, a lot of ice storms and stuff, yeah. a lot of eggs. Yeah. And uh, so hopefully it turns out to be good because everybody loves a good hatching. You know, like 2018, I mean, that was borderline, borderline biblical for everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you could not... You could not if you weren't killing any snow geese, like if you didn't kill a reputable amount of snow geese, you should have probably retired in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, we sat in the spread for 10 days where, where we run getgeese.com. We ran customers. A week, it was like a week or 10 days straight. We averaged over 100 a day. The same. We never moved our decoys. Like Jeez. we just hunted that same migrant. We just hunted that same migrant spread. Just wiped them out. I mean, we had days we'd, we'd kill 190 migrating snow geese in a day with customers, and it was like this is just unreal, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah, I yeah, I back you up on that. I think I think this upcoming fall. I mean, if they yeah, just the breed really hard, like it's gonna be a good. It'll be a good spring snow goose, like good fall no, snow goose for sure. Yeah, I think it'll be. And another thing too is like, well, even like in the Midwest here with this COVID nineteen, like nobody's traveling, no. hunting. Like where, where I live, like is a pretty is a pretty good snow goose area. We generally see a lot more pressure than this. But everybody being on lockdown and stuff, I mean, that saved a lot of geese too. So I mean, yeah, should be should be a should be a better year for the snow goose. I think. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, Canada keeps its borders closed. I yeah, I feel like the canadians don't really hunt i feel like it's a lot of americans that come up there and hunt snows during the spring i feel like you don't really see many canadians out there grinding right but i don't know i think it'll be ideal if it is a good year because that'll be a lot of fun and right yeah i always i was like my favorite time to shoot snows is probably the fall like yeah i like it in the fall too a lot like in november but yeah um this but i don't get paid for that so it's a little more <laughs> lucrative, a little more lucrative in the, in the spring you know but, yeah but either way i mean i wouldn't hunt them in the spring if i didn't if i didn't enjoy it you know i mean there's other things i could do to make money but if i can make money doing what i love then why wouldn't i you know yeah oh exactly 
Yeah. Even on the the only thing that I don't like about guiding spring snow you see in the spring is you have to go no matter what the conditions. It's not like you're fun hunting and if you wake up and it's pouring rain. Yeah. It's not like you can roll over and go to bed and tell your buddies we'll try it in the afternoon or we'll try it in the morning. Yeah. You know, you, you have to go. Like, there's no choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you at least got to go out there and you at least got to go out there and sit until your customers are so cold, wet, and miserable they want to quit. But you can't just go out there and be like, oh, we're going to quit. I'm wet and cold. No, it's, it's not how it works. You know, you're there. You're there to serve the customers and give them the best possible experience no matter what the conditions are yeah put a smile you on your see. face and just yeah. let it yeah, ride you have to go, you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah I've been in some I remember last year in Arkansas or not Arkansas South East Missouri on opener we had gale force winds and sideways rain and there was like the drain bags on or the drain holes on the on the wind socks that we run weren't weren't keeping up and the wind socks were actually filling with sideways rain and tipping oh my over God. And it was, <laughs> dude it was a disaster like I think my guys only made it till like eight o'clock yeah it was horrible yeah that would that would not be but, ideal uh, but um, you have to go same as in Canada when you know it's a at, you know end of October we run till like Halloween in, okay uh, Canada and you know end of October you wake up and it's blowing 20 miles an hour and snow and it's 20 degrees outside or whatever 15 degrees outside with the wind chill it's probably about zero yeah. like <laughs> yeah can't, can't stay in the house there's guys here that want to go hunt you have to go hunt which I mean I don't mind hunting Canada in the snow I mean that's yeah. pretty awesome actually, yeah but Oh yeah. Still, there's adverse weather and adverse conditions, so I have to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, when do you guys? So you guys said you ended up finishing like Halloween. Is that when kind of yeah. everything's done in Saskatchewan? And see, that's the funny thing. It's uh, it's crazy because people like a lot of people that aren't avid hunters that don't follow the migration don't realize that i mean it doesn't get good in north dakota till the middle of november yeah you know, normally normally first second week in november like you could hunt just where i'm at in saskatchewan until probably november 10th i feel i feel pretty comfortable doing that but yet we struggle to book those dates at the end of october which is stupid because huh. that's like that's like prime time like yeah. there's so many birds there when i leave like it's incredible you know and yeah everybody wants to come early because it's warm but i'd rather stay there i know if i booked a hunt in saskatchewan i booked that last week of october because you're shooting you know you're shooting those big green green heads from up north yeah you know a lot of a lot of like all the local guys aren't hunting you know a lot of the outfitters shut down a week before we do and it's like why you know i mean there's birds everywhere like we don't have a problem hunting we don't have a problem finding a different feed for every single hunt on a three-day hunt <laughs> yeah ever yeah you know like end of october is prime i mean yeah it's a little colder so i understand if like, we got a bunch of guys that come from like georgia and stuff and they'd like to come a little earlier just because it's, it's warmer out you know I, yeah. mean, I, I understand that but if you're not afraid of you know cooler weather some of your best your best hunting is the end of october like i love it you know there's i mean there's that's when you get field instead of hunting fields of you know 500 to a thousand big honkers you're finding fields of three thousand big honkers you know and like you know the, the ducks are just they're just prettier prettier too and i mean they make better pictures yeah <laughs> you, can pick your, you can pick your drinks you're not killing so many hens at that point you know you can pick out your green heads and, yeah uh, the end of october 
middle of the end of October is definitely where it's at. If anybody anybody's looking to book a hunt in Saskatchewan, I definitely wouldn't I wouldn't even go the first week of October, to be honest. I mean it's I mean the hunting you'll kill just as many birds, but the quality of birds Yeah. It's just it's I don't know. It gets cooler towards the end of October too, so they're they're more feed oriented, they're feeding a lot harder, it's they're decoying maybe a little bit better. I know those early birds decoy well, but you're you're just dealing with less of them a lot of times, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I see that around uh Minnesota too. I mean our season ends for ducks December fourth. But you won't like I mean once November kinda hits, like you don't see that many people compared to like right as duck season starts. Like a lot of people start getting away because it starts getting colder and it's like you're running into the best like you're running in prime time like my favorite time of year is to hunt end of end of november early december i wish our season went longer into like end of december because that's like you even start getting more birds down but i don't know and it all depends on the weather up there too. I mean, but the thing is, like, if they have water up there, yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna leave. I've I've hunted, and you know, four to six inches of snow up there before, and they're still there. They don't <laughs> they don't leave. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's really gonna push out is your calendar birds, your your teal and your your small ducks to leave. But there'll be honkers and mallards there for a long time in, into November, even. You know, especially where there's like, wherever there's rivers and stuff that stay open super late. I yeah. mean, there's, I mean, if you were a Canadian resident up where I guide, you could probably hunt waterfowl there till you know the 15th of November and feel pretty pretty good about it. You know, but thing is, it's so hard to book those late October dates. Why would we try to book early November dates? You know. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, the mallards and geese will stay as long as they can. Like, yeah. you have open ponds, yeah. like heated ponds or whatever yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. Like, they're going to stay there until it closes up. Yeah. Like, end of story. But, right. I mean, I don't know. Which I feel like kind of holds them back from going south like i feel like we have more birds now that just stay up here right. year round like Fergus like, like falls is yeah a lot of honkers stay there all winter long but it'll be interesting to see how that i don't like one of the power plants yeah they're closed, closing down closed yeah and so it'll be interesting to see once that water freezes how that affects Fergus falls yeah because that's a you know that's a big area for people hunting pits right and yeah that down waterfowl yeah right there i know yeah they and they do they do well they kill a lot of geese but it'll be interesting to see how many geese stay there as you know as water will be less available because of the power plants closing you know but yeah it's a lot of things a guy's got to pay attention to besides just the birds <laughs> you know there's a lot of outside factors that you know yeah i mean just like canada when i you know i watch the weather in canada you know all winter all all summer until i get up there and if, if they didn't get much snow in the winter and not much rain in the summer then i know well i'm just gonna right away when i go scouting i might as well just go to big water because the potholes are going to be so low there's not going to be anything on them you know yeah you know you gotta so much of this game is just weather 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 all yeah. the time yeah just learning your area too i mean like first two years i was able to waterfall hunt like able to scout like at 16 i could drive my truck everywhere and stuff like that like didn't really shoot a ton of birds but like shooting enough to like have fun with it and then like 
once you really learn the area, like, oh, these birds are going to be there early season or, like, this river stays open and you can hunt them late December, like, it just changes the game. Right. No, it's definitely, it's definitely what, you know, based on knowledge and what you know, too, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot yeah. of beginner waterfowls that don't, waterfowlers that don't have very good luck and they get frustrated with it quick, but I don't think anybody started out by shooting hundreds of birds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know when I, when I, I don't know, the first goose hunt I ever, first early season goose hunt I ever went on, I took one buddy and I think at the time I had like three dozen Canada goose shells and I don't even remember what year this is. It was when the limit was eight in early season that's how long ago this was it was a long time ago <laughs> and i think we shot like six or seven geese yeah and looking back on it we should have probably shot a two-man limit pretty easy but you know you gotta you gotta start somewhere yeah oh exactly you know? yeah i mean my yeah. my first couple of years that i just started driving and stuff like we weren't shooting a ton but it was still like a ton of fun like i feel like we didn't really get into the like nice mallards in fields right like we would just hunt water and then like gradually we'd work up like i had like four dozen um greenhead gear full bodies and then we'd throw those out every hunt and then they were they were like i bought them used for pretty cheap and so it's like they're beaten up to like hell and like i don't know you don't shoot you're not going to shoot too many like you just make your way up keep practicing your calling and then eventually you make it like takes time yeah you get to a point where you're where you're doing better than you used to be and you can i mean there's always stuff to learn i mean everything is, is everything's so evolved you know, like, I mean, look at the way that people are hiding, hunting waterfowl. Went from layout blinds to the middle of fields to to A frames on the edges now. Like a lot of uh, a lot of people hunt A frames. You know, I've even seen guys. I know Eagle Head Outdoors has really good luck with running A frames in the middle of fe- like cow pastures and stuff in the spring and killing snow geese out of their A frames. You know, I mean, oh, I if mean, they don't we- have pits, if they don't have pits in their fields in Missouri, they run all A frames <laughs> and they they do really well actually. You know the the evolution the game is changing you know yeah like especially with like even like you look at like the social media back in the day when i was killing geese when i was you know 14 13 whatever like there was no such thing as as social media there was like nobody hunting around here either you know like that social media has changed everything in my in my perspective for the worst in my opinion i think social media is the worst thing that ever happened to hunting just because look at i mean so many people post pictures and you yeah know, i mean if people know where you hunt you're posting a bunch of pictures <laughs> well pretty pretty soon that you know they, like some people are so sneaky as to on your facebook profile if you got your hometown on there or where you currently live and you're posting a bunch of kill pictures and people know that you're home from canada yeah you know guys, even like guys i'll follow you on instagram you post a bunch of pictures on instagram of canada and pretty soon you know, it gets to be that Halloween time or whatever, and they know you're home, and you start posting a bunch of fall pictures. You'd be like, okay, well, there's a bunch of geese over where Alex lives somewhere, somewhere within 60 miles of where Alex lives. There's a yeah. bunch of birds, you know, and yeah. then they can just go on my Facebook profile, my hometown, and be like, oh, 
hey, look where this guy lives. We should go over there. He's been he's been smashing. I mean, it's <laughs> not a guarantee that I'm around home. Yeah. But still, you know, people are people are sneaky like that, you know. And the other thing that I the other thing that I hate that the sport is really getting away from is, you know, it's not so much about camaraderie with your friends and having a good time and you know maybe maybe killing more beers than you do geese sometimes. <laughs> it's it's all a numbers game. Yeah. You know? Everybody oh, wants time. to know how many, how many, how many, how many. Why does it care how many? If I went out and had fun, what if I go out with five of my buddies and we only kill twenty snow geese, but we kill them all at ten yards? Yeah. You know. Oh like, yeah. To me, that's that's better than shooting a hundred snow geese at sixty yards. You know, like it's not. It's such a numbers game now. Like everybody on Instagram, especially, it seems like like everybody. It's just one big numbers competition. You know, like and all my buddies call me. It wasn't how was the hunt. It's how many did you kill today? How many yeah. did you kill? Yeah. Are you guys killing? A, are you guys killing a bunch? It's like it doesn't matter. Yeah. If my customers <laughs> go out and kill twenty five geese, and they all decoy nice. Who cares how many I killed as long as the people that I'm hunting with are happy. That's the goal of all yeah. this. Like people you are know? people like, are like asking for your service to have fun. Like obviously yeah. like they want to shoot birds, but like they're right. doing it like you're gonna have a group of like four guys or whatever and they're gonna like go out there, they wanna have fun. At night they wanna right. drink a few beers, like that's yeah. just how it goes. You know, I mean I mean, and then there's places like Canada where guys do go for high volume shooting, yeah. which I mean, up there it's easy to get that. But in the spring in the States, I mean, sometimes you're not, you know, sometimes I've had a group, I had a group of of guys from Minnesota that have hunted with me every year since I started. My first guiding gig was spring snow goose in Southern Nebraska. Okay. And they've hunted with me every year since my first year in Southern Nebraska. And finally this year, they finally hit it. They've been booking snow geese hunts for seven years. I yeah. had them in Southeast Missouri last year, this same group, and I think they, I don't even know if they killed a goose in three days because the weather was so miserable. And they just couldn't get anything to work, you know? And they've literally followed me everywhere. I did, I've had them in South Dakota. I've had them in Nebraska. I've had them in Missouri. I've, you know, over a course of seven years, they've booked a spring snow goose hunt every year. And, I, you know, I, I told them, I was like, here's the deal. You're like, give me one more chance. And this year, if it doesn't go well, I'm never going to ask you to book a spring snowgoose hunt again. Well, what, what happened was a bunch of their buddies that they were supposed to come with got afraid of the, you know, afraid of that coronavirus. Yeah. And so only like three guys showed up and they killed like 151 geese in three days. <laughs> like they finally, they finally hit it and they were just like so jacked. You know what I mean? I mean, and yeah, I mean, that's not exponentially huge numbers of for three guys to average 50 birds a day. I mean, but I mean, you, you, about that. I mean, if you think about it, though, like people expect such huge numbers for snow geese. But I mean, right. like in Minnesota, you shoot 25 honkers in the fall. Like right. you're having a day like that's fun. Right. Like you're having a blast. That's what I tell them too. Like these groups of four guys that come and only kill, you know, a dozen <laughs> to 25 snow geese. They're all disappointed. Like, you know, people think just because you can use magazine extensions and there's no limit that it's going to be just a Holocaust. Yeah. But, <laughs> But I'm just like, well, look at it this way. Like, especially like guys that come from like Cal California guys are actually the easiest to please. They don't kill a whole lot of birds over there. You know, yeah. same with like East Coast guys. You know, they got really strict honker limits, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. And I'm like, just think of it. Just think of it as if you were honker hunting. If you were back home in Minnesota honker hunting with your three buddies and you killed, you know, thirty honkers. Yeah. Like, number one, that's against the law. So if you're doing <laughs> that, you're having a, a really good but bad time. Yeah. <laughs> number two 
like if you had a group of guys and you killed 30 honkers i'd be even in a fall in a fall hunt here if i killed 30 honkers i'm just like jumping up and down you know like the expectations are so high like that's a lot of like a lot of people are it's a mis- it's a misconception they think that just because you book with an outfitter that you're gonna go smash geese yeah but it's not always the case you know i mean I like, I like to go out every day thinking that we're going to smash them, but sometimes you just don't, you know? Oh, yeah. When you're buying these, when you're buying these guided hunts, the mindset going in is that, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going hunting. I'm not going killing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, it's a snow goose, it's a snow goose hunt. You know, <laughs> I mean, we were, we were fortunate enough this year, like in Northern South Dakota, where we run getgeese.com, we were, we were blessed with really good weather and, we had a lot of good migration days and I, th- I don't know i think we ended up averaging almost 40 birds a day and i mean nobody will know it because I'm not, I'm not posting anything yet until all of the geese are gone yeah but i mean we had we had a pretty good a good year a year that i was happy with for sure at a year that you know that coronavirus really jacked jacked up our, our customer count you know but the groups that did come i guarantee we'll be back next year you know and even when we didn't have customers we were still out hunting you know, just trying to get pictures for, for advertisement and stuff. So no, we had a we had a pretty good year, you know. I mean everybody was everybody was happy. I think everybody's gonna be coming back. But it's just oh, yeah. it's just one of those it's just one of those things when you buy a guided hunt, you know, you book it a year out in advance, you don't know what the weather's gonna be like in the year. You know, you're buying a lottery ticket, you know. And luckily with the weather in South Dakota this year, a lot of guys hit it at least once on their on their three day hunt where they had, you know, a thirty plus bird day or whatever, you know, something something decent where they could send a picture back to their wife so she knew that he wasn't wasting his money like an idiot. Yeah. But, and I but, feel like no, spring was, snow goose is the hardest to yeah, like kind of hit. Just it's all about weather, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like it's just know, the toughest be, time. Yeah, you got to be in the right weather. You got to be in the right birds. You, you know, right spot. It's just there's. A, it takes a lot to get those stars to align to actually make it favorable for the hunter. Where it's not favorable for the goose. You know, if it's sunny and you don't have any wind, well, you know how long it takes a migrating snow goose to come down when there's no wind. Yeah. I mean, some of them geese will have to swing. Some of them geese will have to swing 15 times before they're shootable. You know, that's that's 15 circles around your decoys where they could find something wrong to where they could just flare and leave. You know, like yeah, people don't understand that it's it's so much of the weather. You know, it's just like when it's cloudy out, everybody knows that snow geese typically don't work as good when it's cloudy out in the spring. And you'll get them down to 60 yards and they'll lift off and they'll they'll flare or leave. And they get the, you know all the customers are oh they're seeing something oh something's wrong with spread no they're just being so geese in the clouds there's nothing you can really do about it you know yeah oh big it's just, time it's just it's just how they are you know i, I don't know i i have never i have not found a recipe to where i can kill snow geese better on any other day than when it's sunny and windy yeah you oh know, big it, time there's just no there's just no no better recipe than good weather yeah, that's. I feel like that's just the biggest thing for snow. Is I mean, you can, you can hunt Canada's and ducks. Like, kind of really doesn't matter. Like, ideally, right. rain's not going to be like ideal, but like, right. I mean, they'll pretty much, they're pretty much going right. to hop off the roost and they're going to go to wherever they want to feed. Like, right. But it's. I mean, hunter hunting and mallard hunting. When it's cloudy, I mean, a lot of guys don't even notice the difference. They work the same. Yeah. 
unless you're hunting over water. If you get a sunny day, I don't hunt a lot over water. Very, very little actually. But yeah, if you I get mallards you. over water, you want some for sure. Yeah. But like in a field setting, I mean, I've had plenty of good days in Canada when it's cloudy on feed fields. You know, it's just. For whatever reason, the snow geese are the most temperamental thing you've ever hunted. Just like, okay, they go nest in the tundra. When they get to the tundra, it's cold up there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even in even in June, it's it's freaking cold up there. Yeah. But you get you get one good snowstorm around here, and those suckers bail out and go all the way back to Yankton from the North Dakota South Dakota border. Like they're the most temperamental bird for being quote unquote snow geese and nesting in the tundra. They're kind of big pussies when it comes to weather. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big time. Like, like it's stupid you know i don't yeah i mean like you'll have you'll have honkers you'll have honkers out here in like negative 15 and like uh, like they're not going to jump off the roost till like eight or nine o'clock but they're still going to go out and feed and like they're just like yeah we'll take it and then you go look at snow geese and if it's not super nice out like it's tough Right. Right. No, it's it's all, it's a lot of, like I said, it's a lot. I cannot stress enough. It's just weather, weather, weather. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. That's just, that's just how it is. Just the way of the road. Yeah. I watched, I watched, yeah, play the whole bus. So I, I, I watched a DVD one time with Fred Zakin it and, you know the three the three i think he's i think it's like the three most important details to killing waterfowl is you gotta well, he was talking about ducks is you gotta be where the ducks want to be you gotta look like a duck you gotta hide from the ducks and you gotta sound like a duck so it's actually four points that he threw out there but all of those are insanely true too i mean yeah even if you have good weather and you're there's so many factors that go into a waterfowl that people don't think about you know but if your hide's junk but you got the right conditions you're still not going to kill anything, you know? I mean, <laughs> if you can't call where the crab, and, you know, sometimes birds need to be coaxed in more than other days, and you can't call, even if you got a good hide and a good spread, yeah. you're not going to kill as many kill as many birds as if you're a fluent caller that can, you know, call mallards or whatever you're oh, hunting. Oh, big time. You know, it's just like, there's just a lot of factors that go into, into waterfowl hunting. And that's why, like, the people that got all those factors figured out to the best of their abilities are the guys that are going to harvest more waterfowl, the guys that don't have it figured out, you know? Yeah. Oh, big and there's guys, there's guys in Canada that go set up on honker feeds that freelance themselves, but they can't blow a honker call. They still kill some, yeah. but they kill a lot more if they can call, you know? Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. I mean, you could, you could have guys that could kill more honkers over six decoys if they can call than some guys could kill over three hundred. Like, right. I mean, it that, just depends on what they want that day and like what they're looking for, and yeah, it's, just a bunch of factors. Yeah, there's there's a lot of factors. I mean, it's not even like it's not even like your, you know, your deer hunts. I mean, your your basic factor is if if your stand is set for the right wind, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not adjusting your hide every day. You're not moving to a new location to hunt every day unless you're doing like spot and stock or whatever, I guess. But if you're sitting in a deer stand, you know, I mean, as long as the wind's right for your stand, you're gonna go sit in it, you know. But waterfall mm-hmm. hunting, there's just so much more that goes into it, you know. That, I mean, obviously when you place your deer stand, you scout that spot with you put cameras up and yeah. you know, you're not gonna put a stand you're not gonna put a stand where there's not deer. <laughs> it's like you're yeah. not you're not gonna set up in a field where there's not waterfowl. Unless you're hunting migrating snow geese, then you gotta convince them that they want to be there. But 
I mean, it's just, it's a totally different, different deal. It's a lot of hours and miles and especially with what I do, you know, we gotta, we gotta have a fresh field for every single hunt <laughs> in, 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 in Canada, you know, on a, yeah. on a, on a three day, on a three day hunt, we gotta have at least five good fields, you know, five good feed fields. So if we're doing that every you know, every three days we're finding five fields for there for 60 days. That's, we do 21 three day hunts. If you need five fields, that's over 105 feed fields that you have to have. <laughs> yeah. Just in, just in, just in one season. It's more, and it's probably more than that even, you know, like this year we're running, this year we're running September 1st all the way to the end of October. It's like, yeah, we have to have a feed, a feed field twice a day, almost every single day, except for their exit day, you know? Yeah. And not only that, you to coordinate your feed fields because if you got if, if dave's over here and he's got a field with 800 hawkers and this guy's over here has got a field with a thousand hawkers that's great we, i mean they're both great hawker hunts but we got to have ducks for the evening you know so you either got to find your ducks in advance the night before and go sit on them in the morning or you got to find them in the morning and then go hunt them right away in the evening you know you got to coordinate you got to coordinate your feeds you can't hunt hawkers past noon in saskatchewan you know, it's not like Alberta where you can shoot any species any time of the day. <laughs> you know, so like you got to find, you have to have your, I mean, the biggest thing that we run into is having your evening hunts lined up because sandhill cranes, you can't really hunt them in the evening. They pretty much, once they get in the field, they sit in the field almost all day. Same with like in Texas. Like in Texas, yeah. there's no such thing as an evening crane hunt. Like they don't, they don't go back to roost at noon like the honkers and the mallards do or, the, or even like the snow geese do. You know, they, they sit on the field all day and do whatever sandhill cranes do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> attack each other yeah. pick at pick at pick at field mice or whatever the hell they do out there but, uh, but no they so that i mean that's the biggest thing we run into is having the right two fields every day you know yeah a, a duck a duck hunt of some sort and a, and a goose hunt or a snow goose hunt you know i mean that's oh, the reason that's i mean then that's why it's beneficial to be in in eastern saskatchewan because the sandhill cranes can be lifesavers sometimes too yeah i can imagine you know, it's just a, just a bonus species where you can hunt them in the morning instead of hawkers yeah yeah because they don't have like a limit to you can only hunt them in the morning do they right sandhill yeah. cranes no but you want to you want to hunt you, them in the yeah morning. you want to hunt them in the morning <laughs> right but it'll free up a hawker shoot for the next day if you had a hawker shoot instead of go go find your ducks but no i would say you know we do we do a really good job but like i said we've had like 90 percent customer retention you know basically if you call to try to book a hunt this summer we're probably going to be full already at at bay prairie outfitters that's why i work in saskatchewan it's a a good operation he's been there for well over 10 years now and he used to run a big outfitter down in southern south texas before it all got developed and the birds don't you know there's not as many not as many birds go down there used to do like field hunts in the morning and they used to do duck hunts on the bay yeah down there in South Texas, and he kind of he sold all that and moved to Canada because they were developing all the land, and you know, a lot of the habitats gone and stuff down there. So he oh, moved yeah. moved to Canada, and he's been there for a long time, and he does he does a good job. He they take they take really good care of us there. So all the all the guys, you know, they, they rent us a house and buy all of our groceries. And put a, oh wow! Put a few put a fuel barrel in the yard and you know you i mean we basically live and work there for free for two months uh, yeah that's real nice then that's real you know, nice that's like that's like with any outfitter i mean that's when you know you found when you found the right outfitters you know when they got enough enough money you yeah. know to, and they 
to take care of their guy. You know, it's just like Shane Urban at Migrator Valley. Like, great, great outfit. You know, probably some of the nicest equipment I've ever hunted over. Yeah. You know, and, he, and he's, you know, he gets us a house. He buys our groceries, pays for our fuel. You know, I mean, that's when you know you, you, you've got a good one. When the outfitters try to pa- pass cost onto their guides, Yeah. it's really not, not a good indication of a good operation just for the fact that... <laughs> Either they can't afford it or they don't appreciate you enough to take care of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, oh, I hear you on that. Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to, like, you wouldn't walk into, uh, I don't know, you wouldn't walk into, like, a office job or something and not expect to get all your medical or whatever it is and stuff like that. Right. Like, I or mean, even, you know, when yeah, walking like, to an office job and, you know, you wouldn't take an office job when the boss goes, oh yeah, we're going to hire you, but you got to pay for your staples. Yeah, and exactly. All your office, yeah. All your office equipment and yeah. you got to buy your own computer and, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> buy your own monitor, like all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you it's, know, it's, they're going to have that all supplied for you. If it's a good, if it's a good stable like work environment, and you don't have to go like everyone in the office has to go like a certain percent in on the printer, like (laughs) it's just that's not what's gonna happen. But no, no, it's definitely uh, yeah. No, the guy, the guy life is definitely a very unique lifestyle. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, I mean, I try. I don't even know how many miles I've had. Well, I bought a new pickup in 2017, brand new. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's well, I've had it for, it was like three years and three years in November, I think. And I'm, I mean, I'm well over a hundred thousand miles. <laughs> I probably, I probably put on over 30,000 miles a year. Just yeah. hunting, traveling, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's to be a lot of, a lot of miles and a, a lot of, uh, a lot of time away from home and yeah. stuff like that. But if it's, you know, if it's what a guy's into, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a blast. You know, I mean, just, I mean, if you love to travel and hunt waterfowl, just think I get to go hunt waterfowl in how many different states and yeah. Saskatchewan. And it's all on, it's all on, I get to travel and hunt on somebody else's dime. You know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just taking customers hunting with me, but I still, I still get to carry a gun everywhere I got, except for Saskatchewan. We're not allowed to, but okay. that's fine. That's, that's kind of, you know, more quality time on your calls and, yeah. and working the dog and working the dog you know yeah like uh, and i mean even too like like as a guide you get to see spots that a lot of people don't get to like see like right. yeah like i probably never would have hunted saskatchewan yet in my lifetime if i didn't take a job up there just because you know it gives it like on our days off we we do get the opportunity to go fun hunt once in a while yeah because you know? like I, I do buy a license it's just with when you're guiding you, you know you have a hunting license and you have a guide's license and you have a work permit and that all has to be on your person or i keep my work permit in my truck just because i'm not going to carry this you know eight by twelve government but you know if you're out there with customers and you you got a gun in your hand you're you're not gonna be in good shape if the cable curtain shows up you know but like on our days off you know we can go we can fun hunt here and there and like i said i never would have been able to even probably afford to hunt canada if i hadn't gotten a job there or even began to know where to look in canada you know yeah oh 
I went to got a job there. So yeah, you get to see all kinds of cool stuff. You know, I, I guarantee I would have never killed a, a snow goose in a snow goose in southeast Missouri or got to see Squaw Creek peak at one point four million snow geese in the spring. Well, I guess it's 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 Lowell's bluff now. I guess they changed it. But yeah. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff a guy gets to see just because of that benefit. It's one of, it's like the benefits of your job, the unseen benefits of your job. Yeah. You know, like I, I mean I've never seen one more you know, I've seen the biggest snow goose I saw up until this spring was I saw like one point four or one point one million in in a, on a roost in southern Nebraska time on a big refuge. It was actually on the Kansas side. Yeah. But then like Squaw Creek, I went there this spring or Lowell's Bluff. Everybody knows that it's Squaw Creek, so I'm yeah. still gonna call it Squaw, Squaw Creek. But you get uh you know, there was one there's like one point four, one point five million snow geese on there at one time. Like during the middle of the day when they all got out of the cornfields from feeding and stuff. I mean it was it was the most snow geese I've ever seen. I, I have a strong <laughs> feeling that I could have in my mind I had a really strong feeling I could have stepped off the shore onto that raft of snow geese and ran all the way across them. They were so thick body to body in that water. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean I'm sure it went to work out but <laughs> it, that's the way it, that's the way it looks for people that are trying to visualize, you know, just rafts of snow geese so thick it looks like you could walk on them. Yeah. Oh I mean yeah, that's just pretty- like that's just something with snow geese too. Like I feel like every hunter should experience spring snow geese. Like yeah. it's so yeah. much fun and like the amount right. of birds is just ridiculous. Right. Like you know and the thing is if you with a reputable like people with a reputable you know here's the other thing you know if you're, you know with like as a customer you know if you're if your guide's on time if you get out there and the guy knows how to set everything up like he's done this a million times you know and then throughout the day if birds aren't working you know if the guy doesn't get out of the pit or the blind and you know take his rotary machines down for a little bit and try it without motion or you know maybe pull the flyers down leave the rotary machines if he doesn't try to change his sounds you know if he's not trying then you're with then you're with the wrong guy you know yeah. i mean on an average on an average day i'll probably have the rotary machines down you know on a migration day we hunt the pits all day we sit out there all day yeah and that's guys and that's and that's you know the guys want to take a lunch break i mean i'm not holding you hostage in the pit of the blind you know <laughs> like yeah. if you want to go take a break or whatever like you know what it's whatever yeah. but you know i'll try a variation of different motion and you know as far as motion i'm talking flyers rotary machines that type of stuff and i'll probably try you know 15 20 different sogu sounds throughout the day too yeah to try to figure out you know i mean there's no sogu sound that's going to kill them all but they're some sometimes during the day you can figure out a sound that they're a little more keen to than other sounds you know and it's just it's all it's all one big day of trial and error and you hope you figure it out yeah and if you don't then you're you're probably having a bad day but you know, if, you know as a customer if you show up and your guide's not doing that sort of stuff you know walking around fixing decoys when birds aren't flying <laughs> and, and the wind's blowing them over you know yeah. just, just, little, just little details like that that you know you gotta make your customers not think you don't want them to think you're trying you want them to realize that yeah. you are genuinely trying you know and i know i've seen some some youtube videos of other outfitters and stuff i'm not going to name names i'm not here to bash anybody because you know but i've seen videos where they're running a two-arm rotary machine and one flyer is not even on the rotary machine anymore and the other flyer's got one wing flapping and the other wing spar on the psilocybin <laughs> flyer is out of the freaking decoy so you got a one-wing goose going around about 80 mile an hour <laughs> And, it's, and yeah. it's like it just makes me cringe it's like how can you sit out there and just think that's okay you know yeah. oh exactly right. like these people are paying uh, like for right. like to be out there and like right. you gotta give them your own like that's end of story yeah. like if you're on your Every phone day. and just Every not paying attention day. yeah, yeah. You know? 
Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you got to be out there. You got to be out there trying. You know, even Canada. I mean, on those feed fields, a lot of times, however you set it up, as long as you got the wind direction right, you're gonna you're gonna get them. But there's certain times where you might even have to go out and move a couple decoys, or you know, move a bunch of decoys between a, between flocks to see if you can get them to center up a little bit better. You yeah. Know? Oh so yeah. Just, it's just the way. It's just the way it is. You know. There's, it's definitely, it's definitely kind of a trial and everything. You just hope you figure it out within the two, two first bunches, so that way everything else goes perfect. The rest of the hunt, you can you can utilize their birds and get them close. Yeah. That's, like oh, I said, it's, big time. It's kind of a unique deal, you know. I think the guy, I think the guide life is a lot. It's kind of a a very black area for a, a lot of waterfowl hunters unless unless you've done it like a lot of the a lot of the customers that i hunt have a lot of questions about it you know it's not i mean i i, I don't know like you they need to be like come out with like a netflix series or something and follow <laughs> a guy like follow a guy like me around for a year yeah you know because a lot of people don't know what goes into this i mean you know like canada with scouts are dark you know eight nine o'clock when it's when it's early i mean you can you can shoot late in canada in september you know and you know i mean if you're out scouting and you scout so dark you come back and you get a little bit of food you go to bed you're up at 3 30 every day yeah exactly you know and that i, I mean that's they, why i kind of wanted to start this up too is just to kind of show light on right. what you guys do and what it takes to be right. a guy like right yeah it takes you know you gotta gotta have a lot of a lot of perseverance you know there's a lot of there's a lot of days especially spring snow goose hunting where you're just like you know why do i do this yeah you know because sometimes i mean no matter what outfit you go with i'll be the first to tell you it's not always going to be good or even great or even good hunting you're going to have a lot of mediocre to bad days not a, i mean hopefully you have more good days than bad but you know guys that book these hunts that have bad days you know it's, it's probably nothing the outfitter did it's more likely the way the birds are acting on that particular day or the way the weather's acting but you know it's just it's just one of those things where some days you don't want to get out of bed but you have to yeah you know when i when i wake up in southeast missouri and i can hear raindrops the size of dimes hitting, hitting the top <laughs> of the, hitting the tin roof on the hitting the tin roof on the house <laughs> You know, I don't want to step outside, but a guy's got to. And then if you're going to step outside and go hunt, you might as well try as hard as you can instead of just hiding in the pit from the rain. You yeah. know, you might as well set everything up and give it your give it your full go. Or, you know, if you're, if you're not trying, why are you even there, you know, type of deal. I mean, there's a, it's, you know, a lot of people like are like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a grinder. I hunt every weekend of the season. Well, you know, I hunt more days just in Saskatchewan alone than most guys will hunt in two seasons in the States on weekends, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and big it's, time. It, it's, you, and you get the, you get to learn in a lot of, a lot of knowledge just by watching birds for so yeah. many days out of the year you know just watching them realizing you know when you're when you're glassing snow geese realizing how many young birds are in the flock and how many old birds are in the flock and if, if it's even worth hunting them you know any joe blow can drive around anywhere and find a field full of snow geese and get on onyx maps and call the landowner and hunt them yeah. and when it doesn't go well they don't realize it well you got to realize what kind of birds you're hunting the age <laughs> category of, of birds you're hunting you know are they 20 years old are they two years old are they eight months old yeah. you know that's it's, it's a big it's a big factor of being in the right birds you know it's just or some guys will you know we'll, we'll hunt a honker feed and we'll shoot the you know shoot the crap out of them yeah and they'll fly over a mile over to this other cornfield and then somebody else will be scout them in that cornfield that night after you shot them and hunt them the next day and those geese either don't come back or they don't decoy well they don't decoy it's because they got the hell pounded out of them the day before, <laughs> or, or two 
they flew over to that field to feed out of desperation because they just got shot out of their, you know, their, their restaurant essentially. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Big time. And, and it's stuff like that. You got to realize, you know, if I'm out scouting and I see, you know, guys shooting up a bunch of honkers in a field and I find a group of honkers a half mile away, probably don't hunt those ones. So that's probably where they're going after they got shot at, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, okay, well, this area is, you know, this 10 mile area is probably pretty well shot. You know, I should probably get, get away from these guys and go find some other geese because the ones that are here are probably going to be pretty, pretty rough in the morning, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, like Pretty we we run into that we run into that quite a bit in Minnesota too. Like, like you get a lot of areas that just get shot up, like no other, and then people just keep consistently going to those areas, and it's just like, what do you expect? Like these geese know what you're doing every single time. Like right. you gotta just you gotta maybe go that extra 15 like minutes south or whatever it is and just kind of find a new area that like they're going to be in and where they're not getting absolutely piss pounded <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite my favorite 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 thing to do in canada is to get away from the highways the towns and go i mean just i mean sometimes i'll make customers drive an hour one way in the morning to go hunt a feed yeah because i mean i'll get way out in the boondocks like i'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. get on google maps i'll get on google maps and i'll be like oh i wonder if there's geese on this lake and i'll drive way out in the middle of the, you know the, like these bodies of water don't even have names on them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll drive, I'll drive way out to the middle of nowhere before the geese even start flying, and I'll glass it. And if there's geese on there, then I'm going to sit there and I'm going to follow them out and find out where they're going, what the, you know, where they're eating. Yeah. And and uh, generally that works out pretty good. Just getting away, you know. I mean, sometimes you got guys that kind of want to get a little grumpy about driving an hour one way, but once you get out there and they kill 64 big hawkers by nine o'clock, you know, with a group of eight guys in, in Canada, I don't really hear them. I don't really hear them complaining too much by the end of the hunt yeah <laughs> you know? oh yeah but, big time but it's what you got to do you know you can't always hunt close it's just not the way it's just not the way it works you try to centralize your centralize your business around an area where you might not have to drive far but sometimes you are going to have to drive an hour but if we're making you drive it's because we think it's genuinely worth it we're not doing yeah. it to wear you out you know <laughs> yeah like if you're gonna if you're gonna make me drive an hour like i'm expecting to be like all right well it's a new area like try it out let's right. let's go but if, right. if you're going right in the middle of town like it's been yeah. shot up like i don't know right. Right. No, it's, no, it's all it's all a lot of a lot of trial and error and like you said you know when you get when you get to canada when i go up there and work for bay prairie when i show up end of august i can almost before i even get there i'm gonna be like yep these are the three bodies of water i'm gonna go check right away because there's always geese on them early yeah you know yeah and that's just the way it goes and you know everybody up there is pretty pretty polite as far as like the landowners and stuff and well that's real nice we're pretty, we're yeah. pretty considerate of we're pretty considerate of like other hunters too you know I mean, yeah. we don't we don't ever hunt we don't ever hunt water very rarely like I think I've hunted water maybe not even a handful of times in my three or four years I've been up there, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, that's, I mean, that's how a lot of people don't realize, like, that's how you ruin an area. You know, if you, if you can't get on, <laughs> yeah. if you can't get on, if you can't get on the feed field and you go set up and hunt the roost, those birds are going to be like a long ways away when you're done with them. You know, they might even migrate out if they're, if they're pressured and like, you know, it's no different than like you or I. Okay. If you wake up in the morning at your house 
and you go across town to your favorite restaurant and a guy walks in with a handgun and shoots up your favorite restaurant, are you going to go back there? No, not at all. No, but you can still run back to your house and hide, correct? And then you from and then from your house, once you get regrouped, you can go to a new restaurant, you know, in the other direction. But you can keep staying in your house. But then imagine one imagine one day you go out to your favorite restaurant and you come home and somebody's waiting in there with a gun and shoots up your house. Well then then you're gonna have to entirely move. You're not so you're not worried about the restaurants that are around you at this point. You're like, oh my gosh, my house is destroyed. Like I gotta get out of here. Yeah. It's the same it's the same with waterfowl. You go shooting up their house or their roost, you ain't gonna have geese on that body of water for until new migrators come in or you know, sometimes sometimes not even for the rest of the season. You shoot them out of there once real good, you know? Yeah. Oh, and that's the problem with Minnesota too. Like you run into guys early season and it's just like they go shoot up your roost, and then all of a sudden it's like, dude, like, what was the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep, you, know, you, you go yeah. sneak out there in the morning and go shoot them up, and then right. they're all gone for the rest of the season. Like, Right. You know, and I mean, in like North Dakota and South Dakota are, are high-traffic areas for guys from, I mean, and I'm not pointing fingers. I understand everybody hunts differently. You know, the out-of-state the, the out of state money these guys bring is exponential. There's plenty of birds for everybody. You know, I'm not knocking out-of-state hunters with this statement at all because – most most of the times, that's the way these guys hunt. Yeah. Because that's how they hunt hunt at home. They don't know any better. You oh, know? exactly. But I, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of times where there's boats from out of state. I'm not even going to name states, but there's boats from out of state that go out on these big roost ponds <laughs> and shoot up big, and shoot up these big <laughs> roost ponds, and you're sitting in the field, you know, a mile away, waiting on your birds, and in the morning all you hear is, blah, 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 you Yo. know, gunshots, and it's like, well, that was our roost, boys. You might as well pick it up and go home, you know? Like... Oh yeah, and but, you'll get like you'll get like so, one shoot at them. Yeah, and it won't actually, and it's not even that bad if they let the birds go feed first and then set up on the roost. But they go and they kick all the birds out in the dark. Yeah. And then those birds will fly, and when they start flying over other bodies of water with birds on them, those birds on the water will start calling at them naturally. Yep. And they'll draw those birds in, and pretty soon those birds are grouped up with another group of birds that aren't coming anywhere near you, and cold <laughs> hunts are screwed up. The water hunt's screwed up, and the field hunt's screwed up. And yep. it's like, come on. Oh, yeah. That's, you know? that's just how it goes. You mean, you uh, see uh, people that don't know any better, and yeah. it's just... Right. Like, I know, and, 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 and you know, and there is really good water hunting to be had. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, there's guys that hunt, the, you know, the rivers in Iowa and Illinois. And, you know, that's the only hunting they really have. And they do really well. Yeah. But, and then those guys come over here and they think, well, I got to hunt water. That's A lot of guys think that's the only way to kill a duck. Like down in like Arkansas, you know, they're hunting flooded timber, flooded field, yep. water every day. They, they yep. think the only way to kill a duck is over water, which is, which is understandable. You grow up doing something like that and that's, that's your mindset, you yeah. know? And so then they come up here and they, and they start shooting up all this water, which I mean, yeah, they can have good hunting, yeah. but it pushes the birds out and it screws up a lot of the field hunters, you know, stuff oh, exactly. that they got going on. And, yeah. You know, it's just, but it's just the way it is. Everybody hunts different. That's the only reason why you can still kill waterfowl out of the state is whether you're hunting water or field, everybody does it just a little bit different, sets their decoys different, hides yep. a little bit different, calls a little bit different. Yep. You know, that's, that's, I mean, that's the only way you can, you can kill these things anymore because everybody does it a little bit different. Nobody runs the same amount of decoys. Nobody sets them the same way. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, that's yeah. the only way, reason why you can still kill snow geese is because nobody shows them the same exact thing. They might show, they might see the same type and brand of decoy, but they're always going to be set different. There's always going to be a different sound <laughs> playing. Yeah. There's always going to be, you know, I mean, whether you set up a loaf in a pasture or a feed in the cornfield, you know, people hunt them in different situations, and that's why, you know, you can keep them on their toes a little bit because nobody does anything the same. Yeah. You know, if everybody set the same amount of decoys in the same amount of pattern, in the same amount of, in the same situation with the same sound playing, these geese would be unkillable. Oh, exactly. <laughs> which is, which, which yeah. I mean, it's how that's how the adult population's gotten until they get to Canada. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I read somewhere uh, that if they make it through all the way through the fall and back up to the spring, it's basically like they're fine through the the rest of their life. Yep. Yeah. Like, once they get over two, once they get over two year, two or three years old, for sure. You know, yeah. it's they've pretty much followed mom and dad around enough to know. I mean, yeah, and you'll exactly. see it. Like you'll see it. Like when you're hunting migrating snow geese and they're way up there, and you you get some jewies to break off, and all of a sudden you'll see adults swoop down and pick them up. I've seen it. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe it unless you've seen it. But it happens yeah. all the time. The smart geese turn around, come back, and get get underneath those young birds and and get them out of there. You know. Yeah. Oh, big time. It, it, it happens. Like, it, you wouldn't, I mean, these geese are learning how to survive. You know, they're the, the snow geese are the most pressured goose in probably the world, I would say. You know, they're getting hunted from yeah. September 1st all the way through January in Oklahoma and, and you know, Kansas. And then they get the month, they get the rest of January off in February. <laughs> Here comes spring snow goose opener in yeah. Arkansas. And people are, and, and they're hunting them with an e-collar. Yep. I mean. They're the only, they're the only waterfall species that gets on in spring besides out in yes. Oregon for specs. Like right. you're not hunting right. mallards in the spring. Right. And the thing is, is <laughs> you can see that, you can see that the pressure is, the hunting pressure is getting to these geese because like the geese used to stay in their wintering grounds a lot longer in Arkansas than they do now, but that's because of the spike in outfitters in Arkansas. The geese can't yeah. really sit down and get a break without getting shot at. Yeah. You know? And you'll I mean, see them too, like fly at like certain heights. I mean, they just yeah, fly I mean, right over the sh- like shotgun pattern. Like you yeah, can't hit know. them that high. Yeah. Yeah, they know. And that's the thing is like even w- you can tell the pressure in the wintering guns getting getting them to them because number one they leave a lot earlier. Number two, there used to be like a really good separation between the adults and the juvies because the adults would leave and the juvies would stay behind. And that's when you'd have a lot of big shoots because there's all these pockets of really young birds left in Arkansas. But this, but this year, them, them juvies are mixed in right with the adults because they all got pressured out of Arkansas at the same time. Yeah. I mean, tell me I'm crazy. I mean, that's just my opinion, but you see it all spring. You know, why do, why do these adult snow geese, other than the fact that they have the need to breed, I mean, that's the only thing on their mind, yeah. you know, is, is, is eating, sleeping, and getting up there and breeding. But why are these snow geese pushing up into inclement weather where they can't survive <laughs> and turning around and coming back? Yeah. You know, you know why that is, is because the pressure, these, the yep. hunters, they're so pressured, they can't find a safe place to wait for winter to go away. So they push up into these inclement conditions where they're roosting on ice and they're, yep. they're in six inches of snow and they can't, hurt, they can't find food and they sit up there for two days and then they fly back down south and it's because they want to get away from the pressure. Like, yeah. you know, they, they're, oh, they're yeah. literally getting pushed into situations they don't want to be in because of hunting pressure is my opinion. I mean, Look at how prominent snow goose hunting has gotten in the last, you know, five, ten years. Oh, exactly. 
just I mean, back it's in the blown day, up. I mean, back in the day when I was, you know, fairly new to snow goose hunting, we could, me and my buddies could go out and kill adult snow geese in the fall with, you know, I'm talking, this is like when I was like so young, my dad's buddy had to drive us to the field. None of us had driver's licenses. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if it was legal for us to be hunting on our own, but we were. <laughs> and we could put out 150 Texas rigs, 50 blues and 100 snows and have a good snow goose hunt on yeah. a feed. And now you put a spread out like that and people just sit by the road and laugh at you. Yeah. You know? And so do the and so do the geese. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know? I hear so you on like, that. They've they they've definitely evolved, and a lot of people don't don't recognize that, and they think just because there's millions of them, you should be able to kill a hundred every day, but that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think just because you have extensions on your mags and you can use e collars, like the geese are just gonna fall into your lap. Right, and it's not the case at all because <laughs> guess because guess what? Those e collars, those adults have heard the same songs on yeah. those e collars because very few people are turning out new new electronic calls with new sounds on them i mean yeah it's no different that if you sit on the radio if, you see, if you're if you're driving on a road trip and you hear the same song on the radio three times an hour pretty soon you got it memorized and you're yeah. just like <laughs> oh i know i know what this guy's gonna say same with the snow geese they get down close enough to hear your caller those adult snow geese i mean not only can they tell that you're your decoys and you're not live geese just for the lack of movement yeah for the most part they can also they're like oh that song again yeah we, we've heard we've been shot over that 800 times <laughs> see ya you know yeah you know? oh no doubt about that and a lot of these guys that are doing well are the guys that have either custom snow goose tracks or snow goose tracks that haven't been shared with the world that they're keeping you know i mean they're keeping their mp3 players in a, in a safe locked up yeah and these geese are and they have something that these geese only hear when they're hunting them yeah you know oh big time and that and i mean that's a huge benefit you know but you buy all these generic squawk boxes and juvie jukebox and yep. even the fox pros even the fox pros that come with these these generic sounds that everybody can get their hands on well, that's what everybody's playing all spring and all of a sudden these geese fly over a spread they're like wait a second we haven't heard this one before you better go check this out yeah you know and pretty soon there's a certain few individuals that are killing more geese than everybody else and i'm not saying it's all due to sound i mean it's part of it though yeah you know i mean there's factors you, of everything i mean when you're driving and listening to the radio and a song comes on you haven't heard before you're like oh what's this you know maybe i should stick around and listen to it yeah turn it <laughs> up know? a little bit like yeah yeah you know it's the same with snow geese i mean they've heard the same songs a million bajillion times <laughs> you know i mean so, yeah. some guys have figured it out where you can play the same generic sounds but you got to play you know multiples at one time you can't just play one sound and that i mean that's that helped for a while and now they're even catching on to that where they can pick out three or four individual sounds of that are all generic sounds that they've heard before yeah you used to be able to confuse them by playing you know four different sounds at one time but not not even that doesn't even help that's not even a cure-all anymore for yeah. these things like they're they're smart you know in my opinion before i let you go here i know we're running out of time um, <laughs> no worries in my in my opinion the best thing that could happen for these snow geese is a they shut the spring season down for a little bit and let them recuperate yep. which will never happen because now it's a multi-million dollar industry oh exactly you know, everything from the clothing companies to the shell companies to the decoy companies to the, the extension mags like yeah the companies that make hunting blind the outfitters yeah you know the out-of-state income for hotels and gas stations and restaurants you know it, they'll never shut it down yeah at least i don't i don't foresee them doing it until it gets to be like it was in 1960 and the limit was one snow goose a day because you barely saw one yeah yeah. Like, you know, the, they, they either need to put a limit on these things 
just like they do in Saskatchewan, even in the spring, there's a limit on them and you can't use mega extensions. I think they should take away mega extensions and put a 20 bird limit on them. Yeah. Or they should shut the season down for a little bit. And just let them, let them regroup. And yeah, yeah. Let some of these generations of young birds become breeding pairs before yeah. you start shooting again. You know, like give them a, give them a chance to, to recoup a, a little bit. You know, it's yeah. It's oh, kinda, exactly. Because once tough, that, once, once that big adult group snuggies. like is done breeding, like hey. you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah but, I know. That's the thing is you got to have generations to back it up, like we talked about earlier. And yeah. A lot of guys aren't aren't allowing that to happen. You know, there's yeah. like I said, a lot of a lot of guys have figured out what time of year to find these young birds and where to find them and how to hunt them. And pretty soon, I mean, I I, I mean, yeah, I do it too. Everybody does. I mean, that's that's what you dream about is going out and killing a hundred. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. You know, and I've you know, and I've I've had it where you find find the right birds in the right situation with a good sunny windy day and you you kill 280 of them in one day you know <laughs> and, and yeah. i mean and that's the stuff you live for until you got to stay up till till midnight cleaning all of them yeah exactly but but you know that's what everybody's after and they're figuring out how to how to put that in their favor and they're not realizing it's having a real adverse effect on these poor <laughs> these poor snowies that are just trying to get they're just trying to get home you know i mean i'm not saying i feel bad for them i mean i love hunting them but yeah they're just trying to get, they're just trying to get home yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> oh big time <laughs> Big time. Buggers, but, but yeah but no that's that's about the just of that i don't know yeah yeah that was fun that was we got really in depth in that i was i was loving it yeah yeah, yeah i'm definitely no. gonna definitely gonna have to have you on another uh podcast here yeah and hopefully we can get uh get my business partner riley ham in here too he'd he'd love it you know yeah. I, I don't know when he's i don't know when he's going home he's here hanging out with me still in north dakota i think he's taking a nap when i left you we've been, we've been grinding pretty hard a lot of a lot of 3 30 a.m morning sun feed fields with like a thousand full bodies and i'm picking them up when we're done yeah but no, hopefully get him in here he's got a lot of knowledge he'll tell you some stuff about snow he's i probably don't even know that has been passed down from his dad you know his yeah. dad's like i said his dad's like one of the ogs but oh yeah yeah i would yeah i think we'll definitely have to do another one because i had a lot of fun and there's a lot of stuff that i wasn't that we didn't even go over right. like, i mean it's an endless topic just like yeah you know Oh, I hear I mean, you. It's the guy. It's the guy by the road goes on forever, and the party <laughs> never ends. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alex, I had a blast talking with you, and definitely gonna do it again. So, whenever, whenever you and Riley wanna hop on another one, just give me a call. Yeah, right on. And if anybody that hears this wants to come hunt, they should check out Bay Prairie Outfitters or getgeese.com or even Migrator Valley. If you're looking at, you know, spring snow goose hunts, getgeese.com, Migrator Valley or fall hunts, Bay Prairie Outfitters in Saskatchewan. We'd love to see, love to see you. You can come see what it's all about. See, yeah. See me look all scraggly and worn <laughs> out with hair damn near down to my shoulders from grinding for 60, 70 days at a time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you have like a number they could give you a call at or something that. Oh, make... yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. That number is a 701-535-0653. And then I can direct them to the to the owners of the operations I work for. Or if they're going to book with Get Geese, I can get them, get them booked up and get their dates locked down and get a deposit in the mail or anything like that. Or if they want, or 
because they feel like they want to pick my brain about these birds more. I like talk. I love talking about the sport of waterfowl hunting. So if anybody's bored and just wants to give me a shout, I mean that's that's cool too. Yeah. Or you can you can find me on Instagram, Facebook too, whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yes, sir. Thank you, Alex, and I appreciate it yeah. once again. And yeah, you have fun shooting the rest of the snow geese until end of April. Yeah, sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. Bye. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Alex, straight out of North Dakota, gave us an absolute rundown on snow geese and waterfowl hunting. Him being a guide, he really knows what it takes from Saskatchewan all the way to Texas to Missouri and all the way back up. And if you're a snow goose hunter or a beginner snow goose hunter, I think that you were able to listen to a lot of information that you're going to be able to use in the field and be able to kill more geese because we just ran through a lot. That was two hours of a lot of fun. And Alex definitely is going to be back on. So if you guys are ready to listen to another one, that'll be great. I hope you enjoyed it and keep subscribing to living the guide life go check out our instagram we have a facebook group to really talk to guides about where you're hunting and what you're doing for example if you want to talk to alex on our facebook group and ask him a question say hey what's gonna what's going to like help me out with my spread is more full bodies going to help or is more socks going to help? And that's really the question. Like just send it on our Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good guys on there that know what they're talking about. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Go check out everything that we have posted up and thanks for listening.